Okay, welcome. Thursday night, Sheer. <coughs> this week's parsha is Devarim. The Sheer is Loschus Baruch. Baruch Marshak. Be as chus for him. Um, in any case, um, we are now holding over here. So it's Parshas Devarim, Er Shabbos Chazayin. But I'm not going to learn a mimer on Devarim. We learned already all the memorim on Devarim. Last week we started learning a discourse on Parshas Masay, which deals with Eretz Yisrael and the borders of the land of Israel. But we got stuck in the middle. I was very tired and exhausted, and I also didn't prepare it. And I got totally lost. So I want to, this week, learn the Mimer. Um, we're going to start by Levar HaDvarim Be'inyin Vayered HaGvul. Even though we, lear- we learned the first piece, and that piece we learned, I'm just going to do a brief summary of it. That piece we learned pretty well. Levar um, HaDvarim, we started learning this part as well, but we got kind of lost, and I quit in the middle. So hopefully no quitting tonight. Even though the Mimer is pretty cryptic, um, especially for Lakuti Torah. For Torah Oyer, there are some Aymarim like this that are like pretty cryptic and hard, but in Lakuti Torah, generally, you have a little bit more explanation. But in this Mimer, it's pretty cryptic, and uh, even though I try to really get a good handle on it, I think I have something, but not... Like I feel like the mimer is still very, pretty much elusive, but I hope as we learn it tonight, it's going to come together. In any case, last week we were discussing this idea that the pasuk in Pashas Masay describes the borders of the land of Israel, and it describes exactly how, what, where, and when. And it says when it gets to the to the final, it 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 designates the borders. It starts with the eastern border of Israel, then it goes up to the western border to the. Uh, no, it starts with the southern border of Eretz Yisrael. Then it, from east to west, then it describes the western border. Going from south to north, up to the top. Then it describes the northern upper part of the land of Israel. And then, after that, it comes down on the east side, from north-south. And when it gets to the east side, going from north-south... It uses the term Viyarad HaGvul, the Gvul should descend, the border should descend. Now, which makes sense because when we're going usually from north to south, it's usually called going down. So, but from, even though in all the other Psukim it keeps on using the term the border will extend, it will go out, it will come in, so on and so forth, but it doesn't use the term Viyarad HaGvul, the Gvul, the the border goes down. Well, again, in the simple Shutish al-Mikra, the going down of the Gavul on the northern side, I'm sorry, on the eastern side, coming from up north, going down south, we can understand why it's using the term the whole time going down, because usually that's the way we say, from north to south. However, um, and the, the Mimer over here explains the spiritual meaning of this, that the border goes down, according to what the Alter Rebbe is going to explain, is that the border of the land of Israel is an extremely high, unbelievably, unfathomably high level of godly light, 
of godliness. Powers, divine power, something about God, you know, the locus of Gebrechai. And it originates very, very high. And when it says the borders go down, it means it descends. Not that it's, it's not like going down, meaning just downward physically. It's going downward spiritually. This great spiritual power called the borders of the land of Israel descends from on high comes down, down, down through, this, through the upper spiritual spheres until it manifests in the physical land of Israel. And we're going to see the significance of, that, of those borders. What does that mean? It means that entering into those borders and experiencing these borders has a huge impact on the Jewish soul and what it does in terms of facilitating and um, activating intense spiritual reactions towards that powerful borders of the land of Israel, which are these powerful godly energies that are coming down. Now, in the Alter Rebbe's description in today, what we're going to learn is he's going to explain the descent of the borders, primarily two pirushim, two explanations. One of them is that these borders are related to the supernal source of the divine emotions and that the, the borders are all related to, this, to the godly, to the realm of divine emotions. Why divine emotions? Because we know that there are six emotions. Six emotions, but the six emotions converge with each other. They all form diagonal crossing points where they, where they blend with, the, with, the other, with each other. So they become 12, 12 borders. 12 borders... Uh, of, uh, of diagonal borders or something like that or uh, the 12 borders in every, th- in every 3D cube you have 12 borders and that's the idea but what he's really explaining is that these are the spiritual origins related to the 6 midos but with the 6 midos are in a state of iskalalut in a state of integration and, and harmony one with each other and, he's, and he explains where they originate the source of that har- harmony between opposite emotions. That's its godly source. But then it comes down and manifests in various different levels until it comes down in the land of Israel. And he explains it in Avodah. What does it mean? What does it do to us as it comes down? And the Pasuk describes, I'm going to say one thing, the Pasuk describes in the descent of the border going down. Again, only in the last portion of this description of the borders of Israel, when we are talking on the east side of Israel, and it's describing the descent of the border, different than what it's describing in the earlier verses, where it doesn't talk about descending the borders. Here it's talking about in descending, it describes two stations of that descent. Number one is that it's coming down to the Kinneret Sea, the Sea of the Kinneret. And when it comes down to the Kinneres, to the Kinneret, it says, Umacha al yam It hits. It comes down like and it bangs on the shoulder of the yam kineret, meaning it's kineret is in the inside of Israel, the entire kineret, but it's moving on the shores, on the banks of the yam kineret. That's the, the sea of the kineret, that is the eastern border. And then, um, it, and further down, it, it, the border makes its way down into the, to the Jordan River, to the Yaradeh all the way down to the sea salt, to the sea of salt, to the Yamamelech. 
So in this Mimer, he discusses the Jordan River and the Kinneret. And what does it mean that in both cases, the border descends down into the Kinneret and into the Yardin? And I'm just going to do very brief. And if you, if you want to avoid all the Kabbalistic discussion of the Mimer, which is pretty meticulous and awesome, but if you want to avoid all of that, and you just want to reach your destination very quickly, I'm going to summarize it very quickly. The main idea. The main idea is that the border is a descent of the divine emotions. God's emotions, as they are not just emotions, but as they are cohesive, as the emotions are, are integrated and interwoven one with each other. That's why they're 12, not 6. 12 emotions, these are the emotions as they form diagonal crossings, as they unify one with each other. Now these emotions, when they come down into Eretz Yisrael, they manifest in, we to Jewish people are also called Eretz Yisrael. We're the land, right? So it, 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 it manifests in our souls. And when it manifests in our souls, first it, it, it manifests as the Kinneret River. Kinneret is from the word kinor. Kinor means a harp. And a harp plays music. But the music of a harp is very sweet. The music of a harp is super sweet. It's not rough music, it's very sweet music. So what it, it represents that this borders, spiritual borders descending from a spiritual very high place, descend into the Eretz Yisrael and thereby into our souls to form the Kinneret River, when it form, the Kinneret Sea. When it forms the Kinneret Sea, what happens? It means a certain godly sweetness that takes place in the Jewish soul. And what is that? That's the love of the light. It's an extremely spiritual, lofty, very, very abstract, lofty kind of an experience that only tzaddikim get to experience. It's an ecstasy and a pleasure and a delight, which is a love a love of pleasure, that's what it's called, a love of delight. It's a type of love that it's not a quest, it's not a thirsting, it's not a burning, fiery love. It's a calm, delightful love that fills the person with a deep satisfaction and sensation of the divine. And that's the Kinneret River. It's female for Kinor. Kinor is male. This is Kinneret female because we are the female of God. And when we experience this ecstasy, this is called the Kinneret. It's almost like the woman on the harp. The woman with this delightful pleasure. That's the Kinneret. Ava B'tanugim. And that's coming from above. That's why it says, V'yarad This is not a love that we can create. We can't create this love. This love can only be given to a person as a gift from above. It's when pure divinity and divine bliss and ecstasy pour down on a person's neshama. And then they're suddenly overtaken by this incredible bliss and delight that they can't explain. And they're, they're not burning for a guard, they're quelling, they're quelling, they're delighting, they're, 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 they're just bliss, blissfully experiencing the divine. That's the Kinneret experience. Then the river continues for the, 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 the border continues going down. When you say it further goes down, because the Pasuk says it goes down again, it means it's further descending. And where is it descending in the next phase? 
it's descending to the Jordan River. The Jordan, the Yardane, the sages say, takes from here and places over here. It takes from one place and it gives the other place. So simply it's a transporter. It brings from one side to the other side. And that's referring to a different kind of love. Also a love to God, but that's in general, it's representing the idea, the power of a human being, of a person, to be able to take unholy things, worldly things, and elevate them and transform them to holiness. How do you do that? By accessing the spark of holiness that has fallen into everything dark and unholy, there is a spark of Kedusha that's over there. And when you access that spark and extract it, bring it into holiness, like the food we eat, like the clothing we wear, like the home we live in, and all the other physical entities we come into contact with, and we use them for godly, holy purposes. We extract them, we elevate. That's the Yardain, the Jordan. We're taking from the side of the unholy, and we're transporting it into the holy. Now, how does that translate into love? It translates into love as follows. We have an animal soul. That animal soul is part of the unholy. The animal soul comes from the sitra achra, comes from the dark side, it comes from klipas noga, from the klipa. It's a passionate being, but its passion is misguided. Its passion is uninformed. It's not directed towards the right things. When we can extract that passion, and love God with, the, with our very animal soul, like it says, love God with both your hearts, even your Yetzirah, when we can love God even with our unholy soul, with our negative soul, by transforming, by accessing the, 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 the energy, which is really coming from high, but has fallen, and re, 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 redirecting it, and elevating it into Kedusha. So we take love to Hashem and the love comes from the food we eat from our animal soul and that is elevated that is called the Jordan experience so we have two ways of receiving love one of them is we're extracting the love from below it's like mining for silver silver is love mining for silver in the ground taking the love out from the worldly things and that's called avas olam it's a love from the world coming from the world of the world but it's being elevated to god how can the love produce how can the world produce holiness and godliness the answer is in the world there are sparks of holiness that are there it should be extracted and elevated that's the jordan experience the yardin experience the kinneret experience is love coming from above two different loves this is love from above, and this is love coming from below. If that's the case, we will ask the question, what's the Pasuk saying, that the Gvul is going down into the Jordan, it's descending, according to what we just explained, the Jordan doesn't need anything to descend, quite on the contrary, the Jordan is an ascending light, not a descending, it's an ascending energy. It's the, it's the love from below, it's the potential to love God, the sparks of holiness that are in the world seeking liberation, seeking elevation. It's these sparks that are yearning to go upward. Why are we saying Vayered HaGvul? The Gvul, which means the divine inspiration or godly emotions from above are coming down and pouring into the Jordan. The answer is, the Rebbe says, 
You cannot extract any godliness from the world unless you have some kind of a channel from above. It doesn't just happen on its own. And the Rebbe proves it. We learned this in the Alter Rebbe proves it in the little piece we learned last week. He says because the Gentile eats all day long physical food and he doesn't, he's not inspired to love God. So you see that the, in picking up the stuff from the ground and consuming them doesn't elevate. You need to have a connection already from before. And that's the connection from above. It's a holy neshama. That neshama is, has a channel. That neshama is connected. That neshama reaches down in the world and accesses a spark. It can elevate it. And that's what we mean. That the gvul also descends not only to form the kineret experience, which is a blissful, godly experience of love, ecstasy coming from above, but also the love that comes from worldly things, that love as well also has to come with divine assistance coming from above. So these are the two levels. In a sense, we're going to see in the end of the mimer, these refer to two levels within a person's psyche. The first love is more of an experience that is that is exclusive to the godly soul because only the godly soul can experience love of delight and bliss in Hashem. This type, it's made for tzaddikim, it's made for the neshama itself. The other kind of love is the love that affects our more human side, not our godly side, our human side, our regular self, our unholy self, that's the Jordan. And in both of them, we have to have two avoda. We have the kinerit experience, which is, as we said before, the kinerit is sweet, and the waters of the kinerit are sweet, and the experience is sweet, and there's no intensity in it. It's just an intense, it's, it's, it's meaning it's lacking that, that darkness element. And there is the love of the Jordan. That's the idea, but that's, that's the first interpretation relating that the guvul that's coming down are the 12 divine emotions. Again, the six emotions, but as they are doubled because they, 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 they pair up with the opposite side. Okay? Scholars. The second interpretation, the kinaret remains the same, the Jordan remains the same. The only difference in the second explanation is what does the guvul mean? We say the guvul, the borders descend, what are the borders? According to the second interpretation, the borders are the borders of Chachma. The 32 pathways of Chachma, they're called Gevulim. And those 32 pathways, those are the borders of Eretz Yisrael. According to that, spiritually, it means the Torah. Because the Torah that we study are the, 20, the 32 pathways of Torah. So it's really an element of Chachma that's coming down, and it's that Torah element borders of Torah study that affect both the kinerit experience and also the ability to fix the world and the Jordan, the Yarden experience is also impacted by the Torah. So it's either Torah study that accomplishes it or the emotions. If it's Torah, it's Chachma wisdom. If it's, and, and then it's 32. The, the, the Gevulim are 32. If it's 
um, the the uh, emotions, then it's set up as twelve. And as he as he explains, it's really the twelve permutations of God's name. Yudke Vavke, the, the Yudke Vavke has twelve permutations, or the name Aleph Dalit Nun Yud also has twelve permutations related to the twelve hours of day and the twelve hours of night, related to the twelve months of the year, related to the twelve tribes of Israel. Uh, these are all these in Yanem related to twelve. So that's now we're going to learn it inside. Okay. Levar Hadvarim Bi'inyan Vayered Hagvul to explain the the matter regarding to Vayered Hagvul. This is on page Sadik Dalit. Um the first the first column and uh, the, the second uh, paragraph. Levar Hadvarim to explain the matter Bi'inyan Vayered Hagvul which are that the gvul goes down in a gvul. So now the gvul who dalad rucha is there, it's Yisrael. What is the gvul? The gvul are the four directions of the land of Israel. Yashloima, we can say, shu inyin yud beis gvule alachs, and these are the twelve gvulim, the twelve boundaries, alachsoin, which generally means diagonal. Haniska besefi yitzira, which refers to in the book. In the book of formation, the Sefer Yetzirah talks about twelve yud beis guli alachs. Pidishin yonam bepardes, so in pardes from the Ramak, shar chafal of perik zayin. Over there he explains shehem gavul. When we speak about these twelve gavulim, they are the gavul as follows: bizrochis roimis, the upper part of the east, gavul tzvaynis, and tzvaynis roimis, and then we have the upper part of the north. And then we have east, the bottom side of the east. And then we have the eastern, the eastern uh, north, northeast side. So as I explained last week, when you have a cube, any kind of a cube or any kind of a 3D um, uh, rectangle or square or something like that, but it's 3D, so it has a height, meaning it has a height as well. So then you have, these are your 12 gvuli alachs, the upper, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. So you count them, or you think these are your 12. So he says, even though in Eretz Yisrael, being that it's flat land, so you don't have the 12. You only have four. Because you don't have the depth. Of the Torah is not describing, uh, you know, 100 miles down or 50 miles down is the Eretz Yisrael. Still he says, that's what, he's, that's what he deals with over here. The Afapi, and even though Shebegvula Eretz Begashmi, that according to the boundaries of Eretz Yisrael physically, the Shayach Roimis, you don't have the height. The root of these borders, Nimshechu, they're drawn, Meyud Beis Gvulei Alachs. From these twelve borders, Allah and in Yecheskel we talk of fight. Choshav Yud Beis Gevulim. He talk accounts twelve borders. Bechilika Aretz LeYud Beis Shvatim. When we divide the land into the twelve Shvatim, he counts twelve borders. So even though in Chumash Pashas Masay you don't find twelve borders, but it really relates to these twelve borders because over there, Kenoi that is known. 
And we know that the 12 tribes are related to Yud Bey Shvatim, Shoreshem Gamkein, the 12 tribes there. Shoresh is also Meyud Bey's Gvulei Alachsen from these 12 Gvulei Alachsen. As stated in he quotes from the Zohar to prove that the Shvatim themselves, the tribes of Israel, they are rooted in one of these cross lines. Today, today, sir, shift in, so the Zohar says, the 12 tribes, today, sir, they are 12 boundaries. Because this supernal holy tree in it it is sealed with a seal soon we're going to see the Rebbe changes the words it is sealed with a seal and he says you're supposed to read it it is tchum it is it, 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 you're supposed to change the tough for the ches which means it is it has a border with its borders. So what does that mean? The tree we know, in, in Kabbalah, whenever it refers to the supernal tree, the tree is always referring to the, the um, Indian of Ze'eranpin. The six emotions. The six emotions, that's called the tree. Now, once you have six emotions, you can understand, as he's going to explain, how that turns into twelve. Because each one, is, it, there is a connection between from attribute to attribute. So this is the idea. So, oh, but it says the twelve shvatim are rooted in these twelve, in these twelve tchumim, in these twelve boundaries that are related to this tree. This is related to what it says in Paradise again. In Shar Chafalov Peregvav, Hashem Sefer Aboyer. In the name of Sefer Abar from the Chunya Ben Akana, Ilan Echad Yeshlo Baruch God has one tree, Ubayud Beis Gvulei Alachsen, and this tree has these twelve Gvulei Alachsen. Ugvul Utchum Inyan Echadu. Don't be surprised that the Zohar is calling it Tchumim, and in Sefer Habayir from Reb Nachunya Ben Akana he refers to it and in Sefer Yetzira as Gvulim. Because he says gvul and tchum is the same thing. Gvul means a border, and tchum also means a boundary. So tchum and gvul is the same thing. Why are these sfirot, these attributes, these six attributes that become twelve? Why are they called boundaries? What's the idea of them? Of their idea of them becoming boundaries? Because he explains. Yud beis gevulo se'elu. These twelve gevulim hem chenasis kalalus. They are in a state of integration. In other words, we don't have singular energies, extreme as they stand on their own, but rather they integrate one with each other. Havov k'tzavos the six boundaries shemashisha midos, which are the six midos chagas nihi chesed gevurit teferes netzachod yisoid kishem eskalalim ze'im zeh. When they integrate one with the other, for instance, when chesed and gevura, the powers, the energies of kindness, and the energies of gevura intertwine and integrate one with each other, or the integration of gevura in netzach, that's the idea of it being twelve. 
Because if it's just chesed and gavura, it's only what? If it's just chesed and gavura, it's only six. But how do you get this line? How do you get, this, this side is chesed, this side is gavura. How do you get this line? It's when you're drawing a, a, a connector between chesed and gavura, between south and north. And you have the line in between that's making that connection. Yeah. Or in general, the hiskalalus of the kavin, the right side and the left side, when there's a, 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 a key, because we know, chachan, chesed, chachma, chesed, netzach, kav yamin is all on the right side. Ubaga, bina, gavura, hoid, kav smoil is on the left side. And when they integrate, that the midot from one side are making contact and as being being uh, going in going in partnership, so to speak, with a midah from the other side. Who al and these are these lines that are crossing one from the other. And now we'll understand why it's called the borders. Why? This type of integration doesn't happen in the essence of the light. In the energy itself, why? The light, the energy itself, is pure and simple, and therefore there's no integration, kindness, severity. It's simple. It doesn't have any coloring at all. It's when the oirais, when the lights, become clothed in the kalim, and once they become clothed in the kalim, they become defined by the various definitions of whatever those kalim are. In other words, it becomes an energy of kindness or an energy of gavura. And then when the kindness gets itself tempered a little bit with gavura, so that the kindness is not, you know, uncontrolled kindness, but it's kindness with a little discipline, which is necessary, then you have a mix. But that can only be when the energy has settled into the vessel for it to be able to assume the various different definitions and then integrate one with the other. Through this So then the chesed can later be neslabish in the gevura. Or in If you say there are whatever the order is that the Abishter is conducting. Now what do the kalim do once we know that? That it is in Shaykh to have a hiskalalus from pure oirois. Because oirais are just pure energy, so there's no coloring, there's no, there's no idea of escalados. Escalados is only when they go into kalim. Now we'll also understand why they're called borders, because what do kalim do? The whole idea of vessels is to set a border, to set a definition. Kalim are what? Give definition to the light, to the energy. So oir, nigbal bekeli, the oir becomes nigbal, becomes limited in the vessel. Hain for two reasons. Number one, mitzacha oiru or poshut. Light and energy is just simple. Vinig balbe keli, but once it goes into a keli, what's its idea? Leois mechaye. Once it goes into a keli, means that it's defining itself to be something specific. To enliven umahave kliya chesed. And to enliven and bring about the keli of chesed. If so, the keli, in other words, when we're saying the oil is coming down to produce kindness, so the kindness is giving a definition to otherwise 
unfiltered, undefined, pure, simple force without any definition of what that force is. So that's one reason why we say the light, the vessels limit. The hagabola of the keli, the limitation of the keli, is number one, just to define it. Without that, you have no definition at all. It's just simple energy, of course, that they can't, that's, that's, right, that's, not, that's not limited. Limitation is when something is something specific. I'm defining it. This is what it is. Number, that's number one. Number two is, in addition to that, the energy is also quantitatively infinite. Once it goes into a keli, in addition to it getting definition, it also becomes limited. The oil is also ein sof. And what does the keli do? The keli gives a hagbala, a limitation, that the hashpa should be limited. This main hiskalalos, for it to become 12. You need the oirois to be enclosed in the vessels, dafka. Dafka then is when it can become integrated one with each other. The ilua because the light onto its own, who oir poshot is simple light, chulu. That's why it's called 12 boundaries or 12 borders or 12 boundaries. These are limitations. The light becomes becomes limited through the vessels. And then later they become inter, intertwined and interconnected to 12. First there are six each one on their own, and then as they blend with each other, it becomes 12, twelve various different boundaries. And this that the Zohar says, that this supernal tree, which becomes sealed with a seal, we could explain it. Probably, because the very fact that it's going into a keli means it has what? Been sealed. But the Rebbe says, I'd rather change the letters in the Zohar a little bit, and then it makes more sense. It becomes, instead of reading it, achtum b'choismei, read it atchum, the tough before the ches, b'tchumei, which means it becomes bordered with borders. It is better to say that by mistake the, in the Zohar the printer wrote the letters down wrong. It needs to be atchum b'tchumai becomes becomes gets a tchum the tchum that it gets. Pirish canal and the pirush is like we said before. now behold yud once godly energy manifests as these various different combinations of energies, chesed blends with gevura, or gevura blends with netzach, or, or chesed blends with hod, or the various different things, this is going to form what we call the different combinations of yud ke vav ke. What does that mean? The yud, the hey, the vav, and the hey can set itself up where the vav is first, and then the yud, and then... And then let's say the hay and the hay, 
there's, there's a bunch of different ways. In general, there are 12 different ways in which the Yud Kei Vavke can set itself up. The Yud Beit Tzirufei Adna, and then there is the 12 Tzirufim permutations and combinations of the, of the name Adna. And this is responsible. What's responsible? It's these 12 Gevule Alachsen, these 12 Gevulim, which set, so to speak, the tone of divine energy and specify it in a specific way, this is the energy. And that's why we know that every month has a different energy, has a different sense, a different experience, because it's taken from the different sphera, which is two different midois that are in a hiskalalo state, they're in an integrated state, but the way they are integrated and interwoven is in a unique way which is representing this sphere. And this also brings us to the 12 months. Every month, the Jewish people receive. We receive. It was interesting. Just like in Eretz Yisrael, there are 12 boundaries, 12 territories, that we spoke earlier. So time and space are related. So in. in in the, in, the, in the map of time, in the geography of time, we go through and we're moving from place to place, just like physically we can move from Shevet God to Shevet Menashe. Each one, it's manifesting its own unique, unique thing. So we move through the months of the year, experiencing each, each month, the holidays, the, the, the unique character of the month, which every month is a complete different style and a way in which God shines to us, and in which we reciprocate and, and relate to Hashem. The experiences of the month of Kislev, very, very different than the experience and the, and the feeling of the month of Eeyore in, 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 its, in its terms of, its, in terms of the, 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 the woven tapestry or the, the, uh, the way it is, it is, it is, it is, it is the, 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 the crafting of time and its energy and its style is different. So each month, from a different series. Because as these midos become hiskalalos, they become integrated one with the other, like kindness with submission, with glory, which is submission. Which that is the lower side of the south. The lower gavul of the south side, that's a combination of chesed and hod. Because chesed is the south, the right side. Hod is, is, is lower, is on the bottom. So when chesed and hod are miskalel, that's called droimis tachtis. It's the southern bottom corner. So this also is drawn down lamata below the Knesset Yisrael Avodis Hashem b'pchenazu, and our Avodis Hashem is also in this level. Shuli eseskala los pchenas ava im pchenas What this creates is that our ava, our love to God, should be nichlal and should have an eskala with the idea of submission, that it should be a submissive kind of a love. It shouldn't be an arrogant love or a very frivolous love. It should be a kind of a love that is, has with it an union of bittel, of haida, of submission. And it's a unique type of love that's when ava and hod 
are unified together. I don't know exactly which month is this combination. But then at other times we have an eskalos of gvura, spheres of gvura with hoid, which that forms a unique combination. This is the northern lower side border. This brings us the fear to be integrated with submission. A submissive kind of a fear, which is something that is already closer. A submissive love is a little bit of a more of a chiddush, more of a novelty. A submissive fear is more, because both fear and, and submission are both on the left side. So it's easier to see how the two of them are, the two of them are um, unified, or both of them are closer together. But whatever it is, it's a different combination. And similar to that is in all the midos. And these are the borders of Eretz Yisrael. The borders of Eretz Yisrael are you're walking across the borders of the land of Israel, you're following a drive across the borders of the land of Israel, you're really moving from energy to energy as you make, as the road turns the other way, you're completely under the influence of different spherotic um, combinations. Because in each section of Eretz Yisrael, it's receiving from a different combination, it's these gevulim of Eretz Yisrael. Now the root of these 12 They originate and they come down from a very high place. In other words, they come from a much higher place than the Ze'er Anpin, the Midas themselves. The Midas, the Ze'er Anpin, that itself is very high. But it's really coming from even a higher, higher place. But then it comes down into Eretz Yisrael. Eretz Yisrael, we know, is Malchus. So when it manifests in Eretz Yisrael, it's descending into Malchus, but the root of these 12 borders are really coming from a much higher place. Not only do they go down into Malchus, which is the Shekhinah, Sphiras of Malchus, the Gamla Mata, they come down into the actual worlds. Malchus is the last level of the divine. But then it continues into the actual creation in Bria, Yetzir, and Asiya forming the various different direct borders of space, time and space. It's what it forms. So it comes down into the lower world and also into the physical Eretz Yisrael as well. And that's the meaning as we learned in the beginning. It's not just that the, the, the borders are going down from north-south. So it's like a little bit, you know, going down south. It means a descent from its very, very, very lofty spiritual origins and it's descending down through the various different levels, manifesting in Malchus and going further. Mikedem la'ayin, and from where is it coming from? So the Pasuk says, the first time it says, Vayered ha'gvul, it says from Shifrain, from, from Terivla, from, from Shvam, Mishvam Harivla. It comes from Shvam Terivla. It's interesting, in the Mimer he doesn't explain Shvam and Rivla. But he explains the next word, Mikedem la'ayin, from east of a place called Ayan, which means I, but the deeper meaning, as he learns, is that the Gvul, you want to know where it's coming from? What's its lofty, lofty, lofty spiritual origins? Well, it's coming Mikedem. Kedem means not just east, Kedem also means before. It's coming from a level that's prior to Ayan, 
What's ayin? Ayin is chachma, because the chachma and bina are called enei, enei ha'eda, like the chachamim are called the eyes of the of the people. They're called the eyes of the people. They they can see people. Don't. A chacham is called haroyas anoylet. In general, we know that chachma is associated with ria, with seeing. So kedem la'ayin means it's coming from a place that's higher than Chachma. That means it's coming from Keser, from levels that are transcendent of Chachma. That's where these borders come from. Kedem la'ayin, they come from higher than ayin. As it says in Zoyar, Soif Parshas Vayishlach, in the end of Parshas Vayishlach. Tresar de'iskasyon, there are these 12 that are concealed. And they need to be brought out from their concealment. These 12 iskasyon, they're concealed. And now they're brought out. What does that mean? That means that the original levels of these... Tw- now, we know that the midas, the emotions, the six emotions of God, and these integrated... That's not called concealed. Why is it not called concealed? Because in general, emotions are something you can see. The intellect is called concealed. Alma diskasya, yutke, the moichen are called concealed. When a person has intelligence, it's not revealed to outside. But when a person has an experiencing an emotion, you can see it. Because emotions are, are excited. They show themselves. They spill out. The person is angry. They're happy. They're excited. There's, there's passion. It shows itself. So really, the 12 shvatim, the 12, they're from the Alma de Zgalia, They're from the revealed world, not from the concealed. But the Zohar says, Tresar, these twelve, Iskasyon, they're really hidden. And they come down to be revealed. They're really hidden. And they come, what does that mean? That the Shorish of the twelve, Gevulei Alachsen, is from a very, very, even higher than Chachma. And that's called the complete subconscious of the divine. Levels, superconscious. Levels that are high, 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 that are completely not visible to the creations or even expressed in the godly worlds of Atsilus. It's beyond, beyond. It's hidden, it's hidden. It's very, very concealed. So this is where you see it's coming mikedem la'ayin, prior time. Being that I was talking about the 12 boys that they took out from the cave. Uh, I spoke about it today when I gave the Parsha in my life shear, which I gave at the Mashiach Matters class. Uh, uh, it's a class that really everyone should listen to before Tisha B'Av, before Shabbos. It's online. In any case, it's called The Happiest Tisha B'Av. You should listen to it. Um, in any case, over there I discussed a little bit some of the events that are happening in the world now. And one of them is that this unbelievable rescue of these 12 boys. And they came, and as I spoke, it's, these 12 boys are related to the 12 Shvatim. It's a sign from God that He's going to take out the 12 tribes of the Jewish people from, from the exile now. That's, that's what it is. But now I'm seeing another Indian that, it, that they're coming from, a, that it's representing these 12 Inyanim that are coming from a very concealed and hidden state, extracted and being brought out to revelation. Even though these are Thai children, well, what does it have to do with these deep mystical ideas? But still, everything in, everything in the spiritual manifests in physical stories. So here is where he says that these are Tresar de Iskasian, the 12 that are hidden. <laughs> they were so hidden in the cave, you couldn't find them. Finally, the British divers dive, 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 and they already give up, and they decided to go back in again, and whatever, how they found it. This is one of the greatest rescue stories ever. But you see, if you look deeper, you can see in all these world news events, tremendous godly things that are happening. 
In any case, as it says over there in Migdash Melech, Sheshorsham, the root of the Yud Beis Gevulei Alachsen, Metiferes to Erech Anpin. It's coming from the level of Teferes of Erech Anpin. Now Erech Anpin is higher than Keser. I'm sorry, it's higher than Chachma. Erech Anpin is Keser. So it's coming from the level of Keser, from the Teferes element, and that's the root of the 12 Gevulei Alachsen. Shehema Midois Shalamaylamah Chachma Vabin which are the midos, which are higher than intellect. We've discussed this many times in classes, that even though in the general experience we know the midos are lower and more external than the mochen, than the intellect, the mochen are called parents, the emotions are called children. So that means that as a result of a deeper experience, more internal in the person, when you have a cognition, and understanding, a mental uh, uh, a, a, a intellectual experience which happens in a more inner space that produces on the more outer level of one's consciousness an emotion so emotions come after in- intellect and they're a product of the intellect but we learned that's just the way mostly emotions unfold they're the, that they're, they're, they're the children of the intellect but the truth is we learned this many times in essence, the emotions are rooted deeper in the person's psyche, deeper in the person's soul than the intellect. It's only that they come out to revelation through the intellect, but a person has essential core emotions that are not based on any intelligence. It's a natural disposition or a tendency for some people to have more love and some people to be more disciplined it's, it's a personality, it's deeply rooted elements that are rooted deep in a person's super consciousness, which is not, it's not crafted and developed by mind, by intellect. And that's why we many times experience mishigas, which means stubborn emotions. When we have emotions that even though our mind tries to talk us out of it, the emotions are very stubborn. Why? Because they're rooted in a place prior to intellect. And that's called the midos shalamaylam and asecho. Those are called the emotions. Sometimes we learn that those emotions are called the dark mountains. The bright mountains, mountains of light, emotions are called mountains. Mountains of light are enlightened emotions. Emotions that are coming from the intellect. You heard about something, you read up on it, you appreciated the value of a certain person or a certain phenomenon, a certain idea, a certain science, Whatever it is that you became familiar with and you recognize that it's value and it's importance and you get an emotional attachment to it. That kind of a thing is coming from the intellect. The intellect controls, directs, and develops and even creates the emotions. Those are usually considered more superficial emotions. The real deep, deep, deep emotions are emotions that don't need a trigger. They don't need the mind to create them. They're just who we are. Those are the emotions. They're called the emotions of Keter the emotions of the crown, not the emotions of the Ze'er Anpin, the emotions of Erech Anpin. So what we're learning over here is that these 12 borders that we're speaking about, which are the six emotions, are really rooted in their source even above the intellect. And that's what we mean, that the Gvul will come down, these powerful, spiritual, godly energies descend, they're coming from a place Prior to Chachma, Chachma is Ayin. Kedem, higher, before, 
preceding ayin of Chachma, from there is where they're coming. To the point that Chachma and Bina Malbishem Oisam enclose them. That means that Chachma and Bina are, are, are just a dress and clothing for them. What, what, what that means is, like a lot of times you have with a person, where you have an, an essential emotional drop, feeling or tendency to somewhere else, and then you're coding it with intellect. You're rationalizing something that's essentially beyond, beyond your intellect. In other words, essentially it's because this is what you want. You're just explaining it with reason because your reason is coming to, to excuse, so do you speak, an irrational emotion. That's called what we say we rationalize. Is the emotion is really dominating. It's not the intellect that's dominating. It's the emotion that's dominating. The intellect is only a cover-up because you don't want to look like a lunatic. You don't want to look like a totally madman, like a crazy person. So you have to explain these emotions with rational explanations. So that's what we mean that the Chachma and the Bina are only enclosing these emotions. They're just a, a Lavush to these Midas. Now again, obviously in, 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 when a person use, is, is, is not in control of themselves, this is a very unhealthy person. This is a crazy person. This is a, this is, this is a person who has a problem. But we're talking over here, when it comes to true godly spirituality, this is a positive. In other words, the true relationship with God is rooted in these emotions. Where a person is connected to God with a level that's beyond all explanation and reason. Even, even in, human, in human relationships, at times it is proper to have these emotions. And that is, let's say, with your children. Even though, you know, you have to have the intellect guiding... But at times from time, the emotions that are there transcending intellect should be visible. And that's why we say unconditional love and the like. And the same is and with our relationship with God. This is really where the real party is at. Where the emotions are raw, intense, transcending intellect. Now the Rebbe says, what did we say earlier? That the idea of the Yud Beis Gevulei Alachsen, the idea of the twelve borders, is that they integrate, that the Gevulim, that the one side and the other side, they interwove and, and so forth. Now, what he's saying is that even though a person through into what makes in a, in a person's life that one emotion should should blend with another emotion, usually it's the it's the mind. Take away the mind, remove the mind, you're going to have just total chaos. Because the emotions become very extreme without the mind. That's why you see the more a person is a rational thinker, the stronger a person's intelligence is, the more blended and harmonized they are. Okay? The less of an extremist they are. People become very extremists when their intellect is not that strong. And usually that like throws you into an extreme. But when you have a powerful intelligence, then you're able to like kind of harmonize the emotions. So generally we say, what brings the emotions together? The intellect. It's called olam atikun, where the emotions are, however it says, that even, that the real hiskalalot, the real tra- integration of the emotions, are when you go up to the pure emotions. When you go up to the pure emotions, then they're really at war with each other. That's the idea of olam atoyu. One of them can't stand the other. There's no room because there's nothing to temper in them. There's no intellect. It's pure, super rational, intense excitement. 
So it's pure, super, super powerful uh, godly emotion, that, 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 that raw emotion. So what kind of hiskalut, what kind of an integration can you have on this, on this, on, 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 on such a level? And the answer is, these emotions, as they are pure and, 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 and intense, they, 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 as you go deeper, then, then they're just, then, they, 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 then, then they're rooted, then they find themselves in the soul itself. And in the soul itself, these opposite emotions of chesed and gavura, kindness and gavura, are really rooted in one soul. So at that level, the emotions are again combined with each other. And in that level, their combination is much deeper because it's an essential combination. It's not like a superimposed integration of the emotions where one is like being forced to compromise. See, on the level of intellect is where the emotions are, where we're finding harmony. We're finding harmony in the emotions compromising one with each other. Here it's not a compromise. Here they're rooted in an essential essence of soul where the chesed and the gavura are just emanating from one soul, from one source, which is undefined. So there, they're really deeper in their oneness and in their singularity, in their, in their harmony. And that's what he's saying, that's what it's saying, Vayered ha-gavul, that the true idea of the yudbeis, the 12 gavulei alachsin, these 12 lines of points of connection between the six midot, as they, as they combine one with each other, their real true source of, 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 of hiskalalus, of integration, is from a place, as we said earlier, mikedem la'ayin, higher than the chachma, than the wisdom. Uh, uh, okay, that's... Okay. And from such a high spiritual, godly place, these gevulei alachsen, these 12 borders or boundaries, so to speak, they descend. That's what it says. Vayered ha-gavul. The gavul, the border goes down. It's descending. It comes down into the 12 borders of the Ze'er Anpin, which as we spoke earlier, Ze'er Anpin means the six emotions of God that are on an emotional level where the emotions are the product of the intellect, are produced by the mind. The emotions get along with each other, and this is the integration. And then it lowers, and it comes down further into Malchus. Once it comes down into Malchus, it becomes already the source of time and space. Which this time and space, as we said before, breaks also develop itself in 12. Like you have the 12 months of the year, the 12 tribes, the 12 hours of day, 12 hours of night, Everything working and operating on the levels of 12. Which is the 12, these are these 12 borders, which are really coming from a place much, much, much higher. But as it's descending downward through the various different levels of the spiritual descent of, 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 of divinity, finally until you come to the actual creation and the various different levels of worlds, as it's descending. And this is the meaning of Ummacha. Al-Ketef Yam Kineret. And I will understand what it means, what it says last week, that the gavul comes down and it hits on the shoulder of the kineret. Simply it means that the border is coming around the shoulder of the kineret sea. 
What's the meaning? Liyoyiz, when it descends, when these borders descend into Malchus, so these are, what are they again? They're divine attributes. They're, when they come down, they produce an experience into Malchus. Malchus is the recipient, the Shechina. When she receives these borders, these, these, these yudbeis, these divine emotions into her heart, they create an intense experience in Malchus, which in turn is called the Kinneret River. What's the Kinneret? As we said earlier, next to Tiberias is the Kinneret. And we understand that every place in Israel is not just a place. It's a spiritual, godly experience. So what's the Kinneret? It creates in Malchus the love of the light, as we spoke earlier. It creates because Kinneret is called Kinor. It's female for Kinor. Kinor is a harp. And the music of a harp is very, very sweet. And, and um, the waters of the Kinneret are sweet water. It's not salt water. It's a sweet water sea. And it's, 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 um, and, and again, it's called Kinneret, which Kinneret comes from the word Kinor, which Kinor means a harp, sweetness. Zahu, oh, what does that mean? Mosoik Kinor, it's love of the light, which is sweet like a, like a harp. Well, Bir Inyan, to exp- explain this matter, what does it mean? The experience of the love of the light. Based and similar to what we learned in Parshas Tetzavah. On the Maimer, where it says, Remember what Amalek did to you. So in that Maimer, in the explanation where it speaks about, I've eaten, it says in Shir Hashirim, in the Song of Songs, God says, I have eaten my forest with my honey. I ate my forest with my honey. So the sages say, so it says that, the Zohar says it's referring to the Shema. When, when it says in Shira Shirim, the king, God says, I've come to my garden, I smell the fragrances of the garden, I've eaten my forest with my, with my honey. So what does that mean? I told you that, what that means is that God, every day, He's vegetarian, Sometimes, and he eats a salad, a honey mustard salad with a dressing. The forest, that's God's breakfast. It's a forest, that's what it says. He eats, I, I've eaten my forest. I mean, God is pretty big, right? So he's got to eat a whole forest for a salad. But he says that, you know, you can eat salad and it's like not, not too tasty. Put a little dressing in it. Ah, now well, you know you got it. It gives you like the thrill of a salad is only in the dressing, eh, together with the vegetables. But you need you need that dressing to give it the kick. So what does that mean? So we say like this: when the angel, obviously it's all metaphorically speaking. God doesn't eat in the physical sense. So what does that mean? When the angels in heaven sing to God, the angels are called a forest. They're called trees. And when they sing, they sing so intensely that at a certain point they burst and they become and they and they become consumed in God. And new angels need to be born because the old ones just blew a fuse. Their excitement is so intense that their souls blow out of their body. 
And that's what it means. And what happens to their energy? It gets, re, it gets reabsorbed in the Creator. So that means God eats them. That's what it means. He ate his forest. As these battalion of angels came to sing before him, suddenly they gobbled them up. With their intense love to him, they just became just sucked right in to their spiritual source. But eating salad, as I said before, without, without any dressing is not tasting. So there's not to be some taste over there. So it says, I've eaten my forest with the, with the honey. So the Zohar says, the honey that God eats with his salad that gives it, makes it pleasurable is the Shema that the Jewish people say. The angels, they're the forest. But the Devash, that's the Shema that we say every morning. When we go to shul and we pray every day and we say the Shema, and that's called the Song of the Souls because the Song of the Souls is much deeper than the Song of the Angels. And since we need to struggle with dark elements, in order for us to pray, it's not like angels. Angels just pray spontaneously. But we need to overcome laziness, depression, sadness. But, you know, uh, coarseness. In order for us to, you know, a person wakes up in the morning and they would just want to, you know, dig their face into breakfast. And not pray to God, and not, not go for a spiritual experience. But when we rise past all of that and we serve Hashem, that's sweet to God's ears. And that's called the honey. If, if we don't say the Shema and, he's just, and just the angels singing to him, it's like a forest without the honey. That's what it says. But why is it called honey? Dafka honey. Honey is sweet. And it represents a unique kind of love. In love itself, there's different types of love. There's variations. There's a thirsting love, a burning love, a thirsting love, a longing love. That's one type of a love. And then there's a different type of a love. There's a blissful love. A love, not a painful love, which involves yearning. and It's a fire, more of a blissful love of ecstasy and delight. That's when you're experiencing the thing you're loving. There are times that you want something but you can't have it. That's your burning love. There's another kind of a love when you're having it, you're just in a state of ecstasy and bliss. So when we say the Shema, there is the idea that for the Neshama, there is a moment where it's not seeking to become attached, it's attached. And it's actually experiencing the deliciousness of God. The deliciousness of the divine. The bliss and the ecstasy of it. That's called the honey that type of love is called ava betanugim, love of delight. That type of a love you can't produce. You, the way to experience that delight is if suddenly God suddenly shines His light upon the soul. And when God shines His light upon the soul, suddenly the soul is gripped by intense, blissful by an intense blissful experience that is like hasn't it's like been just cuddled cuddled by God and that's the experience it's not something that we can produce from below it's something that has to happen from above and that's Ava Betanugim that's the Kineret experience Kineret is from the word Kinor we're soon going to see when the Neshama experiences this love when a soul experience it automatically, spontaneously breaks out in song. That's also the meaning of a harp. It sings. 
But it's not a song that you decide, I want to sing. It's you don't even know that you're singing and you're singing. The song suddenly comes spontaneously. Like we're going to see soon, King David had a harp hanging over his bed. And every morning the northern wind blew and the harp played on its own. That's the idea of Kinneret. Kinneret is a spontaneous music that the soul sings not because it decides it wants to sing, it's just singing because it's so overtaken by the blissful experience of its closeness to God. So, but where does it come from? We spoke earlier when we started tonight. It's not, again I mentioned this now, it's not something you can produce. It's something that must come upon you from above. It's not a human love, it's a divine love. This beer Indian, that's what he brings over here. I've eaten my forest with my honey. Which is the Shema In the fulfillment of the Echad, when one meditates on God's oneness, and then they come to love. What kind of love? Love of the light. That's why this Bechina is called, this level is called Masai Kekinar. It is sweet like a kinor, it is the idea of honey. And look, look in a Geris HaKodesh, I checked it up in Tanya. And in the back of the Tanya, he has a letter called Mayofis where he describes the type, these two types of love. And he explains how this higher love, this love of the light, is not something that we could decide to make it happen. It's either you'll feel it or you won't. If you're lucky, you'll feel it. If you prepare yourself and you reach high levels of fear of God, of awe, and you do all the preparatory work, then it's possible for this love to manifest when you're not expecting it. It's like suddenly, boom, it will just come upon you. It's, it's not even you loving, you're being in loved by God's love. And you're experiencing that, that intense experience. Uh, and that's why we say that this love, it's coming from above, but everything that comes from above has to come through the soul of tzaddikim. Whose soul? This is a particular challenge, ch- ch- channel. Whose channel? Channel of Aaron the high priest. That's the idea when Aaron lights the menorah. He ignites the lamps. He fires them up, the lamps of the souls. He fi- Every day Aaron would light the menorah. He, he fires them up with this love. Through Aaron... He is called the escort of the bride. He lifts us up where the bride, he lifts us up to the, to the groom. And it's as we learn in that mimer, where it says you should make holy garments for Aaron. Over there in that discourse, he explains that this love, Nimshach, is drawn. It's drawn from a very high level called Rav Chesed, abundant love, or abundant kindness. It's higher than the Chesed, the love that comes from the world. It's not love extracted from below, it's love coming from above. This is what we say over here. That this love, it is higher than the, it's not like the Jordan. In the Mimer over here, the discourse is explaining the difference between the Jordan River and the Kinneret. The Jordan is taking dark things and elevating them to holiness. Extracting love to God from your human experiences. But we are talking about experiencing just 
a love flowing from above. And that's the Kinneret. So that's above the world. It's higher than the world. The world are the six directions. Chesed. And the Olam, it all makes up Chesed Olam. Like it says, Olam Chesed Yibane. It's all part of Olam, the world. Now, now, in addition to it being sweet, we spoke earlier, it's an incredible experience of, of bliss and sweetness. In addition to that, it's also compared to a kinor, which a kinor is a musical instrument. So to understand what that means, what's the music that we're talking about over here, the Isa B'tikunim, it's stated in Tikunim. Soif Tikun Esrim, in the end of Tikun, of the 20th Tikun, of the Zohar, B'pidish Halaluhu B'neva V'chinor, over there it says in Zohar, in the explanation where it says, praise God B'nevel with a nevel, V'chinor, and with a harp. So the Zohar explains the word Kinor means, Kinor is put from two words, Chavav, which is 26, Ner, lamp. So a Kinor is a combination of the 26, the name of God, 26, Ner, lamp, which is the Neshama. So what does it mean? Kinor is when God is manifesting in your soul. When the neshama is a recipient, the nair, the flame of the candle of the person, is receiving the chavav, the 26 of God. Or, the Zohar says, the shekhinah, which is the source of our soul, is called nair, because she's always burning up towards Hashem. She wants, the shekhinah is the, is the part of God that's invested within creation, within the world. She, she's yearning for her source. Chavav is when you have an intimacy, a union between 26 in, into the Shekhinah. So she's manifesting in it. Chavav ner. HaKadosh Baruch Hu de'iyo avaya. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is avaya yudke vavke. The Itmar, about him it says, Hashem Oiri, he's my light. He's the light for the ner. He is the light for the ner, for the lamp. So when Hashem Oiri, when Hashem is my light, the Yishiyam our salvation. No here, when he is giving the light, when he is illuminating and shining, Biner in the in the shechina, the ihu shechinta, where the Zohar says the ner is the shechina. The ayim hashakasim in your ner bepasha shlach a pasuk vayil lechem letzitzes, where over there he explains this idea. V'zau shama ba'aren ba'alois chasanerois, and that's what we mean by aren, and so that's the idea of kinar. So kinar is when there is a. What is he explaining now? What's this love? This whole love that we're talking about over here, the whole Kinneret experience, is an experience where you're, where you're singing not because you want this, because you decide. It's not, you're not producing it. It's something that is like a love that, 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 that a love that, um, that uh, I don't want to say infiltrates, but uh, consumes a person's heart from above. So what does that mean? God has, God has completely infiltrated your heart. That's the idea. Hashem has permeated the person's heart. And that's the idea of kinar. Kinar is the ner, which is the neshama. Chavav, which is Hashem. 26 is in the ner. That's the kinar. So the kinar is this union. That's why the kinaret, which is this experience. And when you have this, when you experience intimacy and one is with God, it's the highest, deepest pleasure that's possible. And that's the kinar. And that's the Kinneret. Kinneret is just a f- female of Kinar. 
just the feminine experience of Malchut, of the Shechina, of the soul, as she is receiving this light. And what happens then? And that's why also it's interesting. It says, Rashi says, Balos, on the words, Balos chesaneros, when you will light the lamps, Rashi's bothered, what does it say? It doesn't say when you will light the lamps, it say when you will bring up the lamps. So Rashi says, because you have to wait until the lamps go up on their own. The whole point over here, that this is a song, this is an experience, that you flare up spontaneously on your own. It doesn't come with effort. You're not trying to produce any love. It just happens. And when you have this illumination taking place in your soul, the kinar plays on its own. And that's the meaning King David King David, he is personification of the Shekhinah. So he had a harp. And he, when he, and at midnight, was when this light of God would permeate David HaMelech's soul. And therefore his kinor would just start playing on its own. Without anything. We'll see in a minute. It's when Malchus rises. The Chola and every time she rises, Hual Yedei Shir. Because we know that, what does it have to do with singing? Singing is elevation. That's why we know when we get together, we sing a song. Hasidim get together, we always sing. Why do we want to sing? Because we want to elevate ourselves to a higher place. And through the song, it lifts you up to a higher place. So when Malchus rises, she's rising through a song. His brother's name was Yuval. It speaks in Beratius about the, the sons of... Uh, it says the two brothers over there. One of them was the one who made... One of them made um, Oel Mikna. One of them made tents for animals. And he would uh, go from place to place with his tents. He was a nomad. And the other one was the one who made the first musical instruments. So there he, in that mimer he explains this idea of what the music is all about. Sing to God with a chinor. And on the Pasuk, we explain the idea of chinor. Now, so now we know what kineret is. Kineret is a, is malchut, yam, that's why it's a yam, it's a sea, malchus is a sea. And, but it's Malchus receiving a infusion of divine love into its soul. And therefore Malchus is singing like a Kinneret. So next time you go to Tiberias and you see the Kinneret, you'll look at it a little different. It's not just a water where you can go to the beach and have a nice day at the beach and go for a nice swim. That's not the Kinneret. <laughs> That's the physical Kinneret. But the real Kinneret, what you're supposed to be when you're, when you're there a day or two in Tiberia, maybe, Tiberius, maybe, Tiberia, maybe you should think about, maybe can I, maybe once in my lifetime have this experience of spontaneous song to God because my soul raptured with love out of nowhere because we just, I'm, feel that un, I'm feeling that union, I'm feeling that connection, I'm feeling divinity within my soul. But it says another thing. So the Zohar says that when you know on the tzitzis, we put the blue string. So the Zohar says that the chelas, the blue string, you got it. The I don't, but you do. 
So it says that the chelas, the blue, the blue string on the tzitzis, the Zohar says comes from a fish, which that fish is in the kineret. It's a fish in the kineret. That comes from the blood of the chilazin, humiyam kineret comes from the kineret. So you got to wonder and you got to say. So what's the connection? If the kineret is this, this place where the divine love manifests, what's that? What's the idea of the tchelas coming from there? So in that mimer of he explains over there he explains that the tchelas experience. In that mimer, he explains that the tchelas is really from the mochen of Chochmah. It's a very interesting mimer. I actually just looked it up when I was preparing this. Over there he discusses the idea that uh, in Gan Eden, souls, and they have a very, very pleasurable experience of understanding divinity. They study, they learn, they understand. There's a very big danger in understanding. Because when you conceive and you understand and you know something, from knowing something, you become a something. And when you become a something, then you're, the moment you become a something, then you're disconnecting. Because <laughs> God is not a something. And God is everything and everywhere, and therefore we always have to be nullified and surrendered and a non-being. So, but the problem is, in Gan Eden, God infuses them with intelligence and gives them experience and gives them knowledge. So therefore the Rebbe says there is a problem. In Bina, which is the experience of Gan Eden, it's called Yesh. And when you become a Yesh, you're something already. And that's a very fine line remaining connecting to God. You become, you, you want to give someone an experience, but you want to at the same time have the person realize that whatever they're experiencing is nothing. Because there is an infinite beyond. So it's a very, very... But on the other hand, you don't want to... So, so in order to make them experience that, you have to constantly feed them drip, drip with that infinite beyond. But if you give them that infinite beyond and allow that to totally manifest in them, then what's going to happen is they, they cease to be who they are because they just become nullified in that infinite energy that has no definitions. So how does it work? So there's two channels. One channel is allowing the souls, the supernal beings, whoever there are, celestial beings, whether it's souls, angels, to perceive the divine and have great pleasure in perceiving the divine. That's Bina. And that's the Ganeidan experience. But at the same time, Drip, drip, drip. They constantly get a drip, a thin little flow of a transcendental energy from above that allows them to always recognize and be completely conscious of the fact that what they are experiencing as a fixed definition of divine and godliness is only the way God is manifesting to them right now so that they can have some kind of a connection to Him. But that's not who God really is. God is always elusive and beyond and beyond and beyond. So it's like this constant, it's this constant tension of yeah and no, yeah and no, yeah and no. Because of their understanding, they're like, wow, 
they have like a whoa, a fixed recognition and understanding, and that's like, oh. But at the same time, they're hit by a sense of beyond. He says that the set that transition is chachma. Chachma, bina gives you the the understanding. The chachma gives you the bittel, the nullification, the surrender to the neshamas and to the malachim. He says that drip, drip, as it manifests in the neshamas, becomes techelas, becomes blue. Because blue, what's the color of blue? color of blue is like the lower color of a fire. When you look at a fire, so close to the wick is a dark color. That's the blueness. Why is close to a wick dark? Is the bright fire and then close to the wick is dark? Because the part that's close to the wick is where the material of the wick or the oil is being converted to fire. It's giving away to fire. It's where there is that struggle of something which is something is being combustuated into nothingness, into fire. So that, so tcheles indicates, the blue will indicates something surrendering, bittel, something surrendering to God. So that's constant. It's very, it's very dangerous. If we lose balance and our religiosity and our Jewish experience becomes about ourselves and about me knowing and me experiencing and I know and I understand and I feel and I have this and I have that, you lost it all. There constantly needs to be, yeah, God wants a relationship with you, so you have to be you, but always has to be a surrender to Him. Always always beyond yourself, beyond yourself. And that's the techelis. But where is it really coming from? It's coming from a drip, coming from chachma. So you see from here that what is techelis? Techelis on the tzitzis, is really a string, a flow of energy descending from Chach. So now we can understand why it's coming from the Kinneret. Because what did we say about the Kinneret? The Kinneret is also a flow of energy coming from above that's instilling the love. Understand what I'm saying? The only difference is that in the Kinneret, the general waters of the Kinneret, that's the Chesed element of the Chach. It's That's why it's love. And in the Tzitzis, the Techelas that's coming is more the fear. But again, it's the same idea that it's not something created from us. It's something that we're receiving as a divine infusion from a much higher place. So that's the idea that the Zohar says that the Techelas comes from the Kinneret. comes from which is the now here he brings a little something which I'm, I was trying to figure out how this fits in to the whole mimer and I don't know. Maybe he throws it in just that Wolf shouldn't think that he knows the mimer so that we should have a little bit. Maybe that's why he wrote it. I don't know what this is. I don't understand why he's bringing this. He's saying, Yam the Gnusar, the Yam of Gnusar, who Yam Kineret? That's the Yam Kineret. Shesoida, what, what's its secret? Malchus de Malchus de Bria. It's the Malchus of Malchus. Okay. Then I understand that the Kineret is Malchus. But here he's saying it's not just Malchus, it's Malchus de Malchus of Bria, of the world of Bria. Shanas is Atik Liyatsira, which becomes the Atik to Yatsira. Ayn Shell. Uepir Shifridetzniasama, Rizal, Beperekama, uh, 
Kosov be'inyan zeh, v'yash kinar v'kineret, there is kinar and kineret, v'em hoid didei, it's the hoid of his, is called kinar, v'hoid dida, and the hoid of her, shebebriya, but in the world of briya. V'herichsha. I don't know why suddenly he's speaking about this is all taking place in the world of Bria, when earlier he was talking in general that it's Malchus, and he seemed to be speaking about Malchus of Atzilus, why suddenly is he placing the Kinneret in the world of Bria? Why, why does that have a connection to the Mimer over here? I'm not exactly sure. So again, I don't know. These three lines, I don't know what it's saying, why it's saying it, Tafkovi. Now the question is, when it speaks about the Gvul, which as we said before, is these supernal godly energies of the six attributes, the Zeir Anpit, as they are rooted in Keter, in their very supernal high. As we said earlier, Mikedem La'ayin, they're prior to the level called Ayin, which is Chachma. And they come down to form the experience in Malchus of the Kineret which is that love of bliss and ecstasy. Now, what does it mean? When it says it goes down to the kinneret, it says it hits her on the shoulder. It hits her on the shoulder. So he explains it really, Yishmak, based on what we just learned. He said like this. When a person is loving because they decided to love something, somebody or something then it's coming from their intelligence, it's coming through their own decision making I decided to familiarize, I decided to meet so and so to get to know this person I saw a profile about them, let's see you're in the Shidduch world, you read about the profile of someone online or something then you decide to meet them then you do your, your meeting with them and so on and so forth. And then you, so hopefully, whether you feel, find a relationship with them or you don't find a relationship or you say next, someone else. Okay, so, but this is a, a love and a relationship that you're instigating, you're developing, you're looking for, you're deciding, you're creating. But here we're talking about a different thing. We're talking about a love that hits you. It hits you from above. And the Rebbe says, every time you're hit by love, that's not processed through your intellect and through your understanding you're gripped by a powerful magnetic pull that's pulling you and you don't even know where it's coming from that's called hitting someone on the shoulder bang it like hits you on the back and it pushes you in and that's the idea of why it says it hits on the shoulder of the kinneret since the whole idea of this love is not premeditated love it's love that comes from above unexpectedly it's considered a bang on the back. Love that comes from above that's not premeditated through understanding. It's like an example. It's someone gives him a bang over here on the neck. Boo! And pushes him somewhere. He grabs someone and push him somewhere. Push him to where? push him to, into a meeting that he doesn't want to go or he wasn't expecting to go. Give him a shove. Here is where God shoves us into closeness to him. And that's the idea of the kinneret. The doesn't even know where it happened. doesn't even know who shoved him. He goes flying. Bang. So 
If he shoves him from the front, he can see who pushed him. But if he shoved him from the back, he doesn't know who pushed him. It's like the famous guy who uh, the guy promised the guy promised that anybody that will go in the guy promised that anybody that will swim across his shark infested pool is going to win a million dollars. And everybody came to watch was a shark and everybody was terrified. Suddenly there is an elderly Jew who, who suddenly, you know, he's, he hears splash, everybody turns around and there's this elderly Jew and he's swimming across like crazy and he gets out on the other end. So everybody's clapping and they're all agreeing. And they said, where did you, uh, what did they ask him? So now they got, he said, what do you want? Something like that. He said he can choose, that was it. It wasn't promising him. He said you can choose whatever you want. He says, yeah, give me the, He said, just give me the, uh, what would be the good word? Yeah, that was the word I'm looking for. What, what kind of word he would say? <laughs> give me that whatever that pushed me in, right? He was pushed in, right? Ugh, I ruined that. I ruined that so badly. Okay, fine. In any case, so that's the idea. When you're pushing someone from the back, you don't see who it is. So here you're getting shoved towards holiness, towards God. And in every elevation of Malchus, in general, uh, Malchus, whenever she has to go up, is first scared. So in order to go in, it's like a Jew, like initially you meet him for the first time, he doesn't want to put on the tefillin. Scared, you've got to give him a push. Once he does it once and he gets into it, he begins to enjoy it and he likes it and he wants to do it. But the first time, gotta give him a shot. So this is the idea. That's called hitting him in the back. It's called back to back. It's being pushed on the ketev of the kineret. And then one will come to a state of ponem beponem face to face. Also we can say, here's another piece that I couldn't figure out. On the tefillin, if you ever look at tefillin carefully, you'll see that on the tefillin, there is a little piece of hair that sticks out in between the boxes. It's halacha, that's supposed to stick out. And it, it reflects this supernal element called the kutsin, the end of the hair of Erech Anpin, Shemaka, that has some influence. He explains it over there, and I looked up the Maimer Zacher, but I didn't have enough chance to really, really, <coughs> to really figure that one out. I am the Priyetzchaim Sharat Filin, so I'm going to leave this, this little piece over here unexplained, Perikhes, of what this means related to Kutsadisara, that's Mak. Okay. Now, on this Bechina, Sages say on this level, we turn over the page. The page 188. It says, That there was a harp that was hanging above King David's bed. And as soon as it arrives midnight, a northern wind would come. 
Then a Shevis Boyan would blow on the harp. And the music would start on its own. The keynote of the harp would play music. And instantly, this was King David's alarm clock. He would instantly wake up. And he would study Torah. So what was this? What was this? What was this mechanism? What was this automatic alarm clock? He has it, and the northern wind would come and blow on it. Vigam kan, and also over here, gabaviyeh. But we see a similarity. If we say that the kinar and the kineret are the same idea, so just like over there it says a northern wind would blow on the kinar and it would play on its own. Over here too it says Vayered HaGvul The Gvul is coming And Rashi says What does it mean the Gvul? The border is, is descending what, what is the border descending? The border is this intense divine emotions Coming down to stimulate love by, by, In Malchus in the Shechina by us So where is the border descending? It says it's coming from the north Vayered HaGvul from Tzafain coming, Same like David HaMelech's wind that's coming from the north. So you see the similarity, how the kineret and the kinar are working together. Same idea. And also the similarity that the kineret, as we said, it sings on its own. The kinar of David HaMelech sang on its own. The gam kan over here too, gabavayere dagvilu mochal ketef yam kineris, pirish rashi, rashi says, shagvul hoylech mitzafayin ledorem, the gvul descends from north to south. The yam kineret hu toich legvul, and the kineret is inside towards the west. This is the eastern border. So the Kinneret is in the eastern side of this border. This is Mamish, what we said earlier, the Ruach Tzfoynes of the northern wind, that was blowing on David HaMelech's Kinnar, Lafia Pardes, Sham, Gabit Kinnar, and according to the Pardes, to what's Kinnar, she was Oiridus HaGavura. Now north is Gavura. We know south is chesed. That's why the south is hot. Because there's more sunlight, more revelation, more kindness. The north is cold. And that's why the sages also say that from the, the Gepasek says, from the north all the troubles begin. Destruction of the temple came from the north. Because north is gavura, harshness. So over here it says, however, that the northern wind blows. So what's the idea? It's the hisoiridus of Gevura. When you want to wake someone up, you got to give him a little, a little jolt. That's Gevura. It's not, it's not gentle. Gentle is kindness. But you need a little... A little and originally it comes from Gevura, from the left side. On the top, on the left, is Ema. Who's Ema? That's Bina. Bina is... Moshikasa belakuti hashasla rizala marim rezebim sechtas brachas. It says, every, every day we say, in davening, we, in the morning we say, Hashem has given the rooster understanding. So it says that the source of the sechvi, of the, of the rooster, a rooster is also called gever. Kriyat gever, the cry of the rooster. Gever is the same word as Gabriel. So he is Gavriel. Now Gavriel, we know, is the angel on the left side. Michael is on the right side. Gavriel is on the left side. So Gavriel is Gavura. First day, Gavriel is Gavura. And what's the root? And what's the root of Gavriel? 
of Gevura. What's his root? The root of Gavriel, it says all the way up, is in Bina. So it says every night there, there is a, in order to wake up the Shekhinah, to wake up the souls, to wake up everybody to come sing, because midnight it says God comes to, God comes to visit Gan Eden, and he comes to delight with the tzaddikim. He comes to pleasure the tzaddikim in Gan Eden. Yeah. So at midnight, you're supposed to wake up from the sleep and start serving God. You go to sleep. In the olden days especially, it got dark. No, we didn't have any lights. So everybody went to sleep at 7 o'clock. So by midnight, everybody was up. And at that time, you're waking up to do what? To start serving Hashem. So that awakening comes, however, it says that they... They, 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 they hit the rooster. Gavriel hits the rooster with a flaming rod and that makes the rooster cry and wake everybody up. So his oidinus comes from Gvura from the left side. Basic Vashish, Vashulchan Titan, I'll tell at Safa, and my Tama begin the Metaman Shir said the Hedvasa, I'm a Chakazam Kamacha, Pashas Tazri, Ali, and Ruach Tfinus, Enemis of Evis, I'm Chum. You can look all these places up and tell me what it says in all these places. I would be very, very happy. I didn't get a chance to look them all up. Okay. So this is the idea of the Kinneret. This is the concept of the Kinneret. Now, once we know this, let's learn another passage over here. Now, further down, what happens with this kineret, with the with these with this border? It goes down and it hits the kineret. Then it continues further down and it goes into the Jordan. The Jordan, the Yarden River, as we spoke earlier, is not an experience of love and ecstasy from above, but it comes from, as we spoke earlier, Yardain is the elevation of everything from below towards holiness. It descends further down into Malchus, not Malchus of Atzilus, because Malchus is in the world of Atzilus, but Malchus descends also into the three lower worlds, Bria, Yetzirah, and Asiya, creation, formation, and Asiya. And Malchus is the mother of all of creation. And in Bria they manifest If anybody, we know now we study the temple, we're supposed to learn about the temple in the nine days. So when you look at the, the temple, the Beis Amigdosh of King Solomon, or Shlomo Melech, you see that Shlomo Melech had in the courtyard of the temple, he had a huge, big, I think it was gold or copper, I'm not sure what it was, maybe gold, huge golden bowl. It was called Yam Shel Shlomo. The, the sea of Shlomo. And beneath that huge bowl, there were 12 oxen. It was amazing. And you can see, like, generally, you know, you would, this looks like idolatry. And Indus was standing in the Holy Temple. Why? The bowl represents the bowl of life, the Shekhinah. The 12 oxen represent the chariot, the divine chariot, which we know there are three animals. Each animal has four animals that surround the chariot. The lion, the, each one of them has three faces. So it makes it twelve. So it, it, sometimes it implies that these are twelve oxen. So this is, so the sea, that's the malchut itself, the Shekhinah. 
And these are the f- first angelic beings receiving the energy from the Shekhinah, and they form the entire armies of angels above. And they're all related to these 12. So now, Malchus is speech. And the Tzerufim of Oisiyos, of Dibur, Hemel, Milam, and Adas are higher than Das. Maybe that's why he's referring to this as a Yam, because a sea is a closed and hidden thing. That means it's higher than what we can know. It's just, it's still a level of concealment. And this is called Sea. Malchus is the general power that's Mashpiyah. That's why it's in the middle of them. To give them all. That's what it says. God says in the Pasuk, I'm placed the choil, the sand, should be the gavul to the sea. The sea is malchus. The sand are these various different angels. They're sometimes called sand. Why exactly they're called sand is a discussion unto itself. And they form the boundaries to this yam. Similar to what we learned earlier, that the kalim because the malchus energy, as it comes down into the three lower worlds, is considered still infinite. Once each one of these 12 bukar, they define the energy. They give it style. They give it finite definitions. And that later becomes the various, and this later becomes the source of the zodiac and the galaxies and everything that exists until we come down into the physical creation. The and the same is also in the gavulois in the in the in the borders of the land. Shisha gavula mikan, six borders from one side. The shisha mikan and six on the other side. Vahatruma beemtsiusam, and the truma was in the middle of them. You can look it up in Yecheskel Simimem Ches. I don't know what this means. Truma was in the middle. I have to check that up in Yechezkel. Now the 12 constellations that are in the sky, Nivru, they were created, it's through these 12 borders as we spoke earlier. This is what we mean, that the whole system of creation is built higher upon higher upon higher upon higher. It's the same 12 that manifest but it comes down lower and lower. Each on each level, it's manifesting on a different and a different zone and a different dimension. They're all receiving their energy, and they emerge one from the other. Until you get to the twelve cattle of the world of Bria, which is very very high. That they receive from the sea, from the ocean, from Malchus. Malchuscha, Malchus Your kingship is the kingship of all worlds. The noy that is known. The gamma this is all an introduction to explain why the Gavulim are coming down also into the Jordan. The noy that is known. The gamma nefeshabahamis that also our animal soul. Shehimaklipas noiga. We have an animal soul. Our animal soul comes from the unholy, from the klipa. Sharsha Gamkain, her root is also Bibchinas Yudbeis Bakar. She also comes from these twelve cattle. Hanal. Which they are the face of the law and the face of the ox. But rather, this is from the psoilas. It is from the psoilas. 
So what does that mean? It's from the Psoilas. Shaloi Niver. Our animal soul also comes from this in, from these in angels. These twelve. That's why it's an animal. So they're also called animal. It's only difference that they're holy animals who love God with an intense love. And our animal soul loves potato chips in the same way that they love God. Stand, that's the difference. Why? It's because those animals were already corrected. In the process of there was a primordial collapse and things became completely disoriented. So when God, in the process of creation, a lot of those sparks were rectified. And that's what created the worlds of holiness, where those animals are holy animals. But then there's a few crumbs that were not fixed yet. And from those crumbs that were not fixed is from our animal souls. God left that for us that we should help fix it. That's the part of the world that we need to rectify. Which isn't the case of the chariot. That was fixed already. Fine. is explained elsewhere. Now, how do you fix your animal soul? So it says that we can only fix it by connecting our animal soul to its, to her source. Who's the source of the animal soul? No. Of course, ultimately, Hashem is the source of everything, but it's the these angelic beings that are called animals. So when we explain to our animal soul that its impulsive nature is really coming from the angels, they're also impulsive, that's why they're called animal. But we explain to our animal soul that the truth, its, it's constant need for pleasure and, and, and satisfaction, that it's constantly looking for, for anything to satisfy, it, it's really a quest for godliness. Because that's really what its soul source is searching for God. It's just the animal soul just misguided and thinking that it's going to find its satisfaction with all the physical pleasures and delights. So when we can enlighten our animal soul about the angels above singing to God, that inspires our animal soul. So that's why we have to meditate. That's why we spend so much time in davening speaking about the angels. Who cares about the angels? The reason why we're speaking about the angels is to impress the animal soul inside of us because our animal soul comes from the angels. And therefore, when it hears about how the angels use all their energy and, and, and love and re- uh, towards God, it too will join in that song. Over there it's explained at great length, Seder Amalachim. The order of the angels is Serafim and the fiery and the serpents. The Chayos and the supernal beasts. How they are nullified to God. What we're trying to do is to draw down the light of love. In other words, what are we saying earlier? That the gavul, the supernal gavul, and these 12 borders that are essentially unimaginably high, but they come down lower. And they even come down into Malchus and even into the three lower worlds. And then they manifest in these 12 oxen. So once we realize that that very same energy descends, 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 we can understand that eventually it descends all the way down to our animal soul. And we can reconnect our animal soul to that energy from above. And that's the idea of a Yared And it goes down to the Yardane. The Yardane represents our animal soul that is in darkness and that needs to convert, as we spoke earlier last, last week, it needs to convert from darkness to light. To evoke its heart, for it to 
dislodge itself or unconnect itself mitanugim gashmiim from physical delights. Asha nishka behem in which our animal soul became so entrenched in them. Elias nimshach achar shor shor that our animal soul instead should be drawn to its root lehi bottle to become nullified or lehi by Rashem and to become absorbed in the light of God. Just like it is in its supernal chariot. As explained in that mind. That the gavul has to go down. Even to the yardain. Yardain is by the border. The Jordan is by the border of Israel. So it's not holiness. It's by the border. It's the klipa. It's the glowing shell. As stated also in the Lakutim of Shas to the Arizal. That's Klipas Noga. You can take from the unholy and transport to the holy. To erase The 288 sparks. Mahashvira from their broken state. To elevate them. To become absorbed in holiness. For Indian bitter and Ephesha Bahamas, this is the rectification of the animal soul. Ubitter kolamacholim, and the animal soul thrives on the food that it eats. So when we rectify the animal soul, we also rectify all the food that we eat, the peanut butter and cereal and everything else that we eat. And elevate that into holiness. Finikra avas oilam, that's why it's called love of the world, worldly love. It comes from the world. In order that this Bechina should happen, that Klippas Noiga should be rectified. The Tuchlal Bekedush should become absorbed in holiness. We can't do it on our own. We need help from above, not just for the experience. See, the experience we spoke about earlier, which is this divine ecstasy and bliss that takes place in our Neshama, of course that comes from above. That doesn't involve any work from us. It involves preparatory work, but the actual love itself is completely coming from God. You're just an, a vessel that is being swept off its feet by the intensity of godly love. This Jordan experience, that's the Kinneret experience. The Jordan experience is very different. It's love that you have to work on, meditate and activate and work and try to pick yourself up and change the food and everything you've come into contact with from darkness to light. Everything needs to be worked, but... Remember one thing, you can't do it on your own. You need an infusion of godliness from above. And that's the idea that the border goes down into the Yardin to allow the Jordan experience. If we don't have assistance from above, the opposite. How do we know that we will convert from the unholy to holy? Maybe we will convert the opposite. Sometimes it works the other way, God forbid. That our animal soul managed to grab energies from our godly soul and deliver it further into the klipa. In other words, being that we're right, being that we're in a situation where you can take from one side and put on the other side, we want to make sure we take from the left side and put on the right side, not taking from the right side and put on the left side. If a person is not careful, then their involvement in the world can end up, instead of elevating, quite in the country, dragging down. So that's the idea of, 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 of needing assistance from above. You should take from holiness, and you should give it to the other side. Like the Arizal says. That's why about this it says, 
that the gvul has to go down to the yardain. Shenum shach miyudbeis gvulei alachsain demides alyonos. It descends from the twelve borders from the supernal midos. Koyach zeh this power sheyizbaredu adesh peches netzutzin that the two hundred and eighty-eight sparks should be refined. Ikenoida as it is known sheikker habirer al yadei vov ketzaves. And as we know that the main power of birer, even though malchus does the birer. But the main power of Birr is done through the six emotions that are inside Malchus. We know that it's the it's even Malchus is female. And it's her, and she's the one who's like the prowling lion who elevates the sparks, but she does it through the power that her husband gives her, not her own power. That's why we know that the main days of rectifying the world is not on Shabbos. Shabbos is Malchus. But we don't elevate the world on Shabbos. Shabbos the world is elevated already. When do we elevate? The six days of the week. The six days are correspondent to the six emotions, to the six masculine emotions. So you see from here that the main power of birr, of rectification, comes from the six emotions. As the, it's also hinted to what the sages say. It is the man's style to be a conqueror, not a woman. So even though the woman, the malchus is the one who actually does it, but it's not her power, it's the power of her husband that empowers this. That's why these are the six days of action. But even our six days, but interesting thing. In each of the six days, all the midot are included. That's why you have 12 hours of day. In, in Sunday, 12 hours of day on Monday. That means even though Sunday is chesed and Monday is gevura, you have the integration of all of them. Because as we said before, that's the idea of these 12 lines that connect the different sides. It's these powers. Twelve hours every day. By night This is the idea that the gvul descends all the way down to the Jordan. So let's learn just another few minutes. We'll take a break after that. And we'll understand. When the Jewish people went out of Egypt, Two things the Jewish people happened when they came out of Egypt. The first thing happened when the Jewish people went out of Egypt was they had the splitting of the sea. Number one. Second thing the Jewish people had, they went through two bodies of water. One was the splitting of the sea and the other one was the splitting of the Jordan. They stopped the Jordan, the Yardane, when they came to Israel. They, Yeshua stopped the Yardane and it piled up and they crossed. So spiritually we have to understand what are these two bodies of water that we have to go through. So he's explaining it means as follows. The whole idea after the giving of the Torah, before the giving of the Torah, God was blocked from the world. Godliness was up there. The spirit, Hashemayim, Shemayim, Hashem, heaven was to God. Earth had to, was disconnected from God. The point of Yetzirah Mitzrayim was, we go out, Mitzrayim was considered like a closed. Mitzrayim is you break open Egypt and you allow for what? That all the hidden godly potential that was hidden above can start pouring down into the world. In order for that to happen, that means that the highest spiritual truths should manifest in the lower realms. That's the whole idea of a mitzvah. What does it do a mitzvah? You're doing something awesomely godly, and how are you doing it? With your physical body and a physical act. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous that we can put on tefillin, that we can wear tzitzis. It's insane. It's crazy. These are such awesomely godly things. How in the world are you physically doing it? What are you doing? And the answer is, that's the power of the giving of the Torah. We're able to connect the loftiest of the lofty to the bottom. To the end. In order for this to happen, we have to break two barriers. 
What were the two barriers? First the Yamsuf and then the Jordan. The Yamsuf, what's that? Is splitting open the Yamsuf means splitting open deep, 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 deep spiritual powers in the very, 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 very highest, deepest um, 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 cavities of the soul, canyons of the soul, hidden things that are, we might say, the superconscious of the godly soul and allowing them to be felt in the conscious realm of the neshama, but only in the neshama, only in the godly soul. It's allowing your outer conscious godly soul to experience the deeper mysteries of your godly soul. But that's not enough. The next point is to cross the Jordan. Cross the Jordan means is to tear open the klipa and allow the godliness of your soul to enter into your regular human animal side. That's already the next stage of the sending godliness. That's why we went from stage to stage. First we break open. One is in order for you to have a kinerit experience. It means that you're consciously experiencing a love of ecstasy and delight, which is something that every Jew really has, but it's all hidden in a sub-super, super hidden state that you're not, you're not in touch with it. And it needs to be brought out into the open. That's the Kinneret experience. But it's still only within your neshama, within your soul. And then the next stage is for it to come down into your animal, regular human consciousness, the next stage. It is known as explains over here. So the, why, um, it, that's why we have these two things, Kriyas Yamsov and Meyayarde. Kikvar Mavu we explained earlier, in Yavayam Oymedaleim, the idea that the sea stood upon them, Shubchenas Malchus, which is Malchus, Venikri Yamsuf. It's called the Yamsuf Soifa, the cold argon. It's the end of all levels. Viyarde Nubchenas Klipas Noiga. But Yarden is already the Klipa. The Kriyas Yamsov and the idea of Kriyas Yamsuf, Shubhafach Yom Liabosha, it's taking the hidden mysteries of the sea and making it dry land. Shaba Alma Deskasya. That the hidden world, which is the hidden reality of the soul, becomes revealed. This is a revelation taking place within the godly soul. Atzmoi, within it. That that which is the very high levels that are concealed within the godly soul, they should be drawn down to a revealed manifest state. It's the inyanim, it's the elements that are beyond reason, beyond understanding, within your neshama, these godly potential should be revealed. As it is also known, Kriyas Yamsov is called the birth of the souls. The lights of Atsilos are now intensifying and revealing themselves in the world of Bria in creation. This is similar to the idea that the Gvul goes down, it's coming down to the Kinneret experience. That's why it's also dividing into 12 passageways. You want that the, 13, the 12 uh, pathways or the 12 Gvulim of Alachsoin, Shabbat Silos, that's in Atzilos, but Yud Shvatim should connect to the 12 tribes who are in Yud Beis Gvulim Alachsoin, Shabbat that are in the world of Bria. Fezau Shashamalu Shvatim is the idea of connecting the Shvatim and Bria to the Shvatim higher, which we discussed once in the Mimer. Pashas Pekude, he talks about it a lot. Shifteiko, whatever, I'm not going to get into that right now. Veshiyas Chabrezu, in order to have this attachment, Ubatika Talya. It's dependent on Keter, on Keser. 
on the level called Atik Yoimin. It has to come from a very high place. Because only that can connect these two dimensions. And that's why you find also by Kriyas Yamsa, which is the same idea, that over there as well, it says it was a powerful eastern wind that was blowing all night long, which the sages say is related to Atik Yoimin. But once the revelation is drawn down into the souls, in order the power should be drawn down to fix and rectify also Klipa Noiga, they should be able to convert also the animal soul. Ah, for that you have to go into already a darker place, that's the Jordan, and tear that open. The, the Jordan River, the Israel of and the Jewish people crossed through it in dry land. Now we're going to break. The rest of the mimer is only going to take us about uh, 40, half an hour, 40 minutes. We'll take a break so you can grab something to eat. There's a little chalent there in the room. There's a little cake over here and all kinds of other good stuff. Uh, we don't want to advertise this because people are listening. The people that come that, that don't show up physically and they only want to lay on their couches and listen to it from the room, they don't get the cake. Understand? <laughs> that's that's the, they can't do online. How are I haven't seen you in ages. Well I've been working in the Orthodox Ah How you doing? Shalom. Look and then you brought your friend. What's his name? Yaakov, remember Yaakov used to set up Mark? Yaakov, Mark used to set up all of them. And Yossi. Yeah, ya- Yaakov, yeah. Yaakov got married and moved to uh, Phoenix. And, yeah. mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so let's just continue because I want to finish this up. Another way we can explain. In the explanation of a Yeredagvul. According to this Pshat, according to his first interpretation, the Gvul is the, these 12 powers of the six emotions that are in a state of Iskalalut, integration one with each other. That's the, the root of this whole idea of the descending energy that forms the borders of Eretz Yisrael, which, as we said before, impacts us both in our higher, deeper neshama to experience this greater love of the light, and that's called the Kinneret experience, and then it impacts us on a more external element to enable us to deal with the world and convert the world and our animal soul from darkness to light. So now he's going to explain another Pirish in Vayered it says that Hashem says, and one of the, soon we're going to see, and later in, um, further in the 
in the seven haftoros that come after Tisha B'av, which speak about comfort. So it says that Hashem says, I'm going to laden your land with the ground, the floor in Eretz Yisrael is going to be filled with diamonds and and uh, and all your boundaries are going to be are going to be precious gems. That's what it says. So, by the way, you should know that right now, this week, I'm just we're living in messianic times. They just discovered science this that there is quadrillion diamonds beneath the ground, deep, deep. In Israel, they're also finding. But in addition to that, in the world in general, they found out now discovery that it's that they how many diamonds is there in, now? According to their estimation, it's not twice as many diamonds in the world that they thought there were. Not three times, not four times. It's a thousand times more diamonds in the world than what they thought. And they thought they knew there's a lot of diamonds deep beneath the ground, but now it's a thousand times more. So much so that if they would be able to extract all these diamonds, diamonds would be worthless. Literally. It would be so much of it. It's going to be literally like dust. What does it say when Mashiach will come? It says that all the delicacies and all is going to be like dust. I just found it. Only problem is it's 200 miles deep in the ground. 200 miles down the ground to get the diamonds. And they don't have a drill that can go 200. I guess that they need Mashiach to tell them how to get down there and extract. But they made the discovery now. It's an amazing discovery. And, and this is what it says Mashiach's times. This is going to be a, In other words, what's going to happen? Then diamonds are going to lose its value. So, but what's going to be the value? Ultimately, everybody's going to recognize that the only value that there is is knowledge. Because everything physical, all material things are going to become valueless. The only thing that's going to have value is knowledge. Interesting. So now, but anyways, it says on, in that pasuk that your boundaries, I'm going to make avnei chayfets. The gevuleich. So there he explains, I'm lamed beis nasiva is chachma, the thirty-two pathways of wisdom. For what Torah, which is the Torah, the Torah is the thirty-two pathways of wisdom. Shehu gevuleis chachma sa yisbarach. It's the boundaries of God's wisdom. The yardu v'neslab shu b'dvarim gashmiim. And that's why they're called boundaries, because they came down and enclosed themselves in, 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 in a physical Torah. When we study the Torah, we're studying it in a very physical format. Kikola Torah. Now, once the, when the Torah comes down, all of the Torah is Bishirim, if you think about it. All the Torah has measurements, it's always giving you measurements. This is the size you need to have for an Erev. If you make an Erev on Shabbos, this is how tall, this is how this, this is how long, this is how this. This is the amount of space you have to leave if you're building a wall next to your neighbor's thing. You have to leave three cubits and four cubits and this cube and this. And this is the size of your lulav and this is the size of your esrog and this is the size of, this is how much you, uh, Tisha B'Av, you're not allowed to eat so much. And you, if you're very hungry, you have to allow to eat only less than this amount and that amount and this amount. Everything is always full of amounts, sizes, and so on and so forth. Why? So that's the idea that the Torah comes down into gevulim, into borders. Now, when we draw down these, and what does it mean? Hashem says, I will make your boundaries desirable stones. Avnei chefetz means precious gems, but the literal translation is 
Stones of desire. Simply means desirable stones. What does that mean? That when you, when after Mashiach comes, when we study Torah, today's days it doesn't necessarily happen all the time, but after Mashiach comes, when we study Torah, which the Torah are the gavulich, gavulich. These are the boundaries, which is self-imposed boundaries that God puts. What does it do? When your person studies them, they enter into our soul. These incredible divine ideas enter into our soul. And even if a person has a heart of stone, it melts the stone and it turns it into avnei chefet, stones of desire. That means even a stone heart will suddenly become full of desire for God. That's really the way it's supposed to be every time we study Torah. When you learn Torah, Torah is supposed to have such a deep impact on the person. The Torah creates within the Jew a powerful spiritual energy. Sadly, a lot of people stuff themselves with a lot of Torah and they don't have any spiritual energy. It's because we're in Golas. So the Torah is also an exile. So we can learn Torah, but it doesn't necessarily, doesn't necessarily release its spiritual power into the soul. But this is the way it's supposed to be. Amshach, Islamah, Beis, Nasibah, Sachachma, Bimidois, Yom Shachliyos, Avnei Chefetz, Stones of Chefetz, Shagam Leva Evan, also a stone heart. Tiyach Hafeitzah, Veshoi Keiko, will desire and long, Ladafka Ba Yisbarach, Taklif Tashem, Ayn Shalmuk, that's how he explains this idea of Gavuleich la'avnei chefetz. V'atam shenikro lamed beiz nesibes hachach magam kei b'shem gavuleich. Now the reason why these 32 pathways of wisdom are called gavuleich, who is as follows. Ki lamed beiz nesibes, why are they called boundaries? Because we know the 32 pathways hem lamed beiz elokim. In the story of creation, if you look in Genesis and Bereshis, you'll find 32 times in the story of creation the word Elohim. Bereshis bara Elohim. Vayomer Elohim. Right? Vayas Elohim. Everything is Elohim. Vayar Elohim. Keeps on saying Elohim, Elohim, Elohim. How many times? 32 times. So these 32 times Elohim is alluding to the 32 pathways of wisdom. Now the fact that it's hinted to in the name of Elohim, which Elohim is the name of constriction limitation. So that's why the 32 pathways of wisdom are called 32 limitations, 32 boundaries. It is related to the 32 names of Elohim, which the names of Elohim are constriction to constrict, define, and limit the light. That is the work of creation. And the name of Elohim is the idea of Tzimtzum and Din. Because what's the whole idea of Elohim? in order for God to create the world, which is finite and limited. So there has to be many types of contractions. In order that the chayos, the life force, should be able to be mispashed into the worlds. And even for chachma, which is the first primordial existence, that too requires contractions and symptoms. So Elohim, Lamed Beis Nasiva Yisachachma, are not only for Chachma's influence further down, but it's even for Chachma itself there needs to be the Lamed Beis Nasiva Elohim. There needs to be many Elohims to make, yeah. Mepchen Asairois. Chachma, it says, is only deriving its energy from above through tiny little here from God. Chachma. 
The entire Chachma is receiving from one little hair tube from Hashem. And that's why these 32 pathways are called Gavul. These are contractions and limitations. The Lamed Beis Elohim of the 32 mentions of the name of Elohim. And the root of these Gavulim. It's really all taken from what's spoken in the writings of the Arizal. That initially, when God created the world, it was this big, full. It was filled only with the with the infinite light of God, and then Hashem contracted Himself and made a tiny little hole, a little space, and in that space, the Abishter contracted and made a little space, and in that space, the Abishter inserts a little line, a little kav, and that line, that kav, is is the root. What's the idea of that kav? It's the power of God to focus His energy in a limited, concealed, constricted way. So that's the root of this of this old symptom. It's explained elsewhere that the Indian But we have to understand that the gavulim of Torah is different than the gavulim of creation. In creation, when the Abishter contracted himself to create the world. The meaning of the contraction is that he contracts his energy to be less of him. Less of him and less of him and less of him. He dilutes himself. He dilutes his energy to create a finite world. So what is the world? The most diluted, 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 diluted. Energy of the divine. However, in the Torah, there too there is contraction. But the contraction of Torah is not a contraction. The contraction of Torah is a compression. A compression is very different than a, contra- than a dilution. Diluting means you're diluting it and making it less. Compression means you're keeping the entire thing, but you're just compressing it into a zip file, into something small. But it's the entire thing. So that's the idea of the 32 pathways of wisdom. It's gvulim, it's boundaries, but these are very, very potent boundaries because in these boundaries lie the entire, entire ain't sof. The Ein Sof compresses itself into the boundaries. The Kbi'inganes Hashemayim v'sa'ad it's Ani Mole I fill. Ta'ayinu Mahusay v'atzmusay is barach, the very substance of the Abishter himself. It says the Shemayim, God fills them. Shuhu pidish Ani, I. Ach eich yochel islabish bi'olam hagashmi. How can God enclose himself in this physical world that was created through the greatest demonition and, dilu- and, and dilution of the, of the godly light. How does God fill the world that he should be animale? Kivoida is 32. Through the 32 pathways of Torah, Kivoida is Gematria 32. It's through the 30. Kavoid is 32. Not Kivoida. Kavoid. So through the 32 pathways of Kavod, which is Chachma, which is Gematria Lamed Beis, the Eberster funnels his very essence into the world. Ve'en Kavod el HaTorah, Kavod b'Gematria Lamed Beis. Ve'em Lamed Beis, Nesibu Yitzhak Chachma, these are the 32 pathways of wisdom. Ve'yi Chachma Satorah, this is the Chachma of Torah. Ayadeza, through this Yachalia, says Shemayim Vesar, it's Ani Mole Eifel, Mamish, Ayadeza Yislap Shusoy, through God becoming enclosed, Ba'osiyo Satorah in the holy letters of the Torah. In the holy letters of Torah, 
they're all containers for Hashem. Hashem is in these holy letters. Ayin Shem. Im came over in the Afapi. So it's understood. Afapi Shalamid Beis Nasivay Sachachma. Even though the 32 pathways of wisdom, Nikra B'Shem Gavulois, are called Gavulois, Shehem B'Chinaz Gavulois Chachma, so these are the boundaries of his Chachma. Shehem Eslapsha B'Shi'urim E'Gavulim, that the Ebeshter enclothes himself in Shi'urim, in, in, in measurements, or Gavulim, but these are not measurements that dilute the energy, they're measurements that compress the energy. Shalatayrim Kozem Elubish Behem is enclosed in them, Ohusat Musa Yisbarach, the Abishter himself, the substance of God himself, it's the Abishter himself. So based on that, we can explain over here as well. When it says the Gavul goes down, this is the idea of Vayered. The, the boundary descends. Because the 32 pathways of wisdom first exist in a very, 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 very abstract spiritual state. Yardu, divine state. The Yardu, and they go down the Nishpalu Lamata, and they were lowered, 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 lowered below. Bidvarim Gashmiim, into physical matters, Peya, for instance, the laws of Peya, that you have to leave the corner of a field on, on, uh, on uh, harvested and on, on, uncut so that the the poor people can take it. Ubikurim, which is the first fruits that you bring to the Holy Temple. Trumois, and what you give, the portion you give to the coin. Maisrois, and the tithing, which give. Veshayach Gamkein, and that is the, uh, and, that's, and that's, these, uh, that's the idea of Ayered HaGvul. The 32 pathways of wisdom that are called Gvul descend lower and lower until it takes form in physical halachis. But the Rebbe says an interesting thing, the Alter Rebbe. But this is not just Shaykh to the Torah. It also applies to the boundaries of the land of Israel. Why does it apply to the land? Because the laws of the Torah are primarily applicable in the land of Israel. Because most of the laws of the Torah are not applicable outside of Eretz Yisrael. Because most of... So Eretz Yisrael is also a Torah land. In addition to what we said before, it's a godly land... Of, of, of emotions and this it's also the whole land is halacha is Torah that's what it is every inch of Eretz Yisrael is halacha it's Torah and that's why Moshe Rabbeinu play, prayed next week we're going to learn Pasha's Ve'eschanon and the sages say that Eschanon the word Ve'eschanon is Gematria 515 the amount of prayers that Moshe prayed to go into Eretz Yisrael the Kanes letters in order to go into Eretz Yisrael it's a Tluyus boy in order to fulfill the mitzvahs that are dependent on it. V'oid, another thing, Shahalamid beis nesivois, that the 32 pathways nimshach and michach me'elah are drawn from the supernal chachma. Adam malchus until malchus, that's what the pathways are. So spiritually we know the 32 pathways come from chachma to malchus. And malchus is called Eretz Yisrael. The Shechina is called Eretz Yisrael. Shechachma tata, which is called the lower chachma. V'nikragamkein lamid beis, Malchus is called Lev, the heart. Why is Malchus called the heart? Because it receives from the 32 pathways of wisdom. Lamed Bezes 32. Blessed is the glory of Avaya. Havaya is the Ze'er Anpin. The six emotions. The sphere is the Zah. Kavoid Havaya. Kavoid is Malchus. Malchus is Kavoid. 
Think about a king. He gives covet. So Malchus is covered. Kvoid Havaya is the covered Malchus of the Ze'eranpin. Baruch, where is it receiving its energy? Mimakoimai, from its place. What's its place? Chachma. Chachma delivers the 32 pathways where to mimic Kavoid Havaya into the covered into Malchus. Shia Malchus and Ikrigam King Kavoid, which is covered. Mimakoimai, Upchenes Chachmiyolo, which is the supernal Chach. Amalchus is called Eretz Yisrael. It makes sense to say that the Gvul is going down from Chachma through all the ten spheroids, and where is its final destination? In Malchus. And that's why it's manifesting in the Gvulos of Eretz Yisrael. The Gvul will go down. And it says, where is the Gvul coming from? From the eastern side or of, of the place called Ayin. As we explained earlier, it means higher than Chachma, which is called Ayin, because the Chachamim are called Eine Ha'eda. So Chachma is associated with Ria. This is Mikedem La'ayin. Ayin. Hold it. Didn't we say these are the 32 pathways of wisdom? So it's coming from Ayin, it's coming from Chachma. What do we mean it's Lamaila Kedem La'ayin? See, earlier we learned the Pirush that we're talking about the the, the Midois. Midois, we said, they're Ze'er Anpin, but really they're rooted in Keter, in Keser. But now that we're learning that it's referring to the 32 pathways of wisdom, 32 pathways of wisdom is Ayin. That's the level of the eye. If it's the level of the eye, why is it saying it's Mikedem La Ayin? And the answer is because even though Torah comes from Chachma, it's only emerging from Chachma, but the root of the Torah is really much higher than Chachma. Because the level called Ayin is the root of the world of Nikudim. And that's where Chachma is called Olam HaNikudim. Nikudim is dots. But the Gavulim and the 32 pathways of Torah, even though it initially stems, even though it emerges from Chachma, and Nafkis Tafka, it emerges from Chachma. She's Galusa, it's revelation, Bibchinas Gavulim Vishiurim. Once it comes through Chachma, that's where it picks up all these self-imposed contractions, boundaries, uh, amounts, set amounts, Chachma. That comes from Chachma. It's really rooted much higher than Chachma, but higher than Chachma, it's purely infinite and boundless. Kitariak mitzvah dairaisa. Because as we know, the 613 commandments of the Torah, Imzayim mitzvah drabana with the seven rabbinic commandments. Together equal 620, Hemtarach 620, Amude Oyersha Bekeser. These are the pillars of light emanating from Keter, from the crown. They are from before the level of Ayin. The Keser Upchinas Akudim, and the level of Keser is called Akudim, Shalamaylam Upchinas Nakudim, which is higher than Akudim. What exactly that is, is not for the discussion for tonight. We've discussed Akudim, Nakudim, and other classes. And Keser is what serves, what draws the light of the matzel of the emanator, which is Hashem Himself, to the Netzalim, to the to the spherot, to the attributes. So Keser. Through the Abishta's glory, through Torah study, which is Nimshach from Keser. So, which Keser facilitates the Abishter himself and draws him down into the spheroids. 
Nimshach bechenas ani mole. This draws down the idea of ani mole. I am fully. Ani mamish. I, the Abishter himself. Canals, we said it, this is the whole idea, because since it's coming from Kesser, and Kesser is Mamshech from the Abishter himself into the Spheroids, so even though it's Spheroids and limitations and definitions, but it's really bringing Ani Mamish. See, if it would be coming only from Chachma, then it wouldn't, be, it wouldn't have that impact. But since it's coming really from Kesser, so this is Mamish, the idea of Ayerid Agvul, Mikedem La'ayin, from before Ayin, Shubchenas Kadmoin Lechol Akdumin. It's coming from the Kesser, which is called Kadmoin Lechol Akdumin, what is pre-prefacing or comes before even that which is first and ancient. For Oy Desh the last piece over here. Pidish Mi Kedem La'ayin. Or we can explain this idea of the word Kedem La'ayin. Ki Ayin Uchitzayin, that Kedem La'ayin is not referring to Kesser. It's referring to Chachma. But in Chachma itself, there's the external part of Chachma. The Chitzainius of Chachma. And then there is the Pnimius of Chachma. Like the, we say sometimes, the word Chachma is made up of two words. Koyach Ma. So the Koach is already defined. Koyach. Ma is what? So Ma is undefined. So Pnimius of Chachma is Ma. Chitzainius of Chachma is Koyach. And I guess it means the half of shekel is the second half of Chachma. But the 32 Nesivos pathways of Chachma, of Torah, is, the, is, is coming from the essence of Chachma, which is higher than Ayin. There's 32 Nesivos, and then there is the 32nd Nesiv, the highest one, just like we say in Chamishim Share Bina, 49 of them we can understand, the 50th is elusive. The same is also on the 32 pathways of wisdom, the, the, thir- the 32nd one or the first one is completely elusive. On that one we say Nesiv, it's the path, ayit, that is utterly not known. No eye has seen it. Aye, where is it? Aye is Aleph Yudke, Yudke is Chachmem Bina, Aleph is Pele Keser. I am a part of Shara Nesiva Yisrael Shperigim. Upirish vayered agavul, and now okay. So this is just another pirush in the idea of mikedem laaya. Now he's going back based on what we said before vayered agavul that the gavul comes down. But now we're learning that it means the gavulois of Torah. Umachal ketav yam kineres. What does it mean? It comes down on the on the on the on the uh, on the shoulder of the kineret sea. As we spoke earlier, the kineret experience is the love of the light. This is the love of the light. Earlier we learned that this great love comes to you spontaneously through some kind of a spiritual infusion of divine love coming through Aaron. Now he's learning, if we're learning that the Yarad HaGavul is referring to Torah, as a person can reach this type of love through Torah study. Like we said earlier, Avnei Chefetz. It will take even a stone heart and it will turn it into Chefetz, into a desire. So the Eisek HaToyra, Yid, can draw down this love. And this is what it says, You open your, your hand. That's a simple meaning. But in deeper meaning, it means you open up as Yudecha. You open up the Yud. The Yud, the yud is Chachma. The Eibishter opens up the Yud. When we learn Torah, we're eating the Yud. 
we're consuming the Yud. Then God releases this Yud, and it satiates every living being with a powerful desire to, yearn, to, to merge with God. It releases, it's like taking a pill, and then once you swallow it, the pill releases its power inside of you. All those places, this idea is discussed. How Torah study can lead a person to really, really powerful love. And therefore, Through drawing down the 32 pathways of wisdom of Torah, which on this it says, the Gvul descends, canal, it draws it down on the Yam Kineret. When we'll come to the Kineret experience, we spoke earlier, this type of song of the Kinar and of this, and the one that's Masai Kinar, sweet, which is the love of the light. This is the idea that God is my light. Remember, we said that Kinar is from two words Chavav Ner. Ner is the Neshama. Chavav is that God is shining in the Neshama. Chavav is 26. So the, the Zoyer says, that, that the Ebeshter, the Chavav, is referring to Hashem Oiri, Hashem is my light, He shines into me. How does Hashem shine into you? Through the Torah, because by Torah it says, V'Torah Oir, Torah is light. So that's the light of God that shines in the Neshama. Nor Ebener, Shah Neshama Nekregam Ke Ner. Kamashikasim Ner Hashem Nishma Sodom. The Ner Hashem. V'Havaya Oiri, Huay De Eisekat Torah, Shanem Avatayra Oir, which is Torah Oir. Shayadei Zen Nor Ebener, that's how the Abishter shines in your nair of the neshama. And a person can then experience this great, spectacular love. Sweet like a, sweet like a kinar. as we spoke earlier, like a harp. But afterwards, the gvul descends, continues to go down. Which means, according to this pirish that we're learning, that it's the Torah. goes down to the Yaridain, which we spoke earlier. The Yaridain already is referring to the Nefesh of Bahamas, the Klippa, which serves as a Noitel Mizev, a Noitzen Bizev. It takes from one and puts it to the other. That means that Torah study also empowers us to be able to rectify and fix our physical environment as well. Torah study, number one, can create deep and powerful spiritual experiences inside the soul. And Torah study can also empower us to be able to rectify our unrectified cells, which is our animal soul. That's why it says, whoever learns Torah, Torah is called Oiz V'Toshia. It strengthens your, your soul, that which is good in you, and Toshia, it weakens, it weakens the animal soul. Torah also gives draws down the koach to fix the animal soul of Kenisklyel. The Pidish Vachol Gavulnaich La Avne Chefetz. Shagam Leva Evan, even a stone heart, which is the animal soul, Tiacha Fetza, should desire the Shaikeka and long Ladovka Boyus Barak the Cleef to God. I'm a Pasha, like Rabbi Akiva, for instance, who learned Torah, and by the time he was done in the end of his life, he said, All my life I was waiting to give my life al Kiddush Hashem to die with this Echad. How? From the Torah that he learned. And by him also you saw that it's a stone heart, like the water going on the stone, and it blasted through. It empowers the godly soul, and it weakens the animals. Now in the MS in truth, Shnei Oifanem Shebe Pirush Vayere Da Gvul Oilem Bekane Echad. 
Really, these two pirushim in Vayered Agvul uh, are can connect one with each other. Through the learning of Torah, which are the thirty-two pathways of wisdom, so two things happen. The Gavul is referring to the thirty-two pathways of wisdom. It's also referring to the twelve borders of that we spoke before Yudbeis Gulei Alachsin, which are rooted in the Midos that are higher than intellect. Because as you draw down the Torah, you're also opening yourself up to these Galos of Keter energy, which is the Yudbeis Gulei Alachsin. So these two go to hand in hand. Shem Shoyrish Yudbeis Gulei Alachsin Chulu Vayin Oid Meinin Yardim Bezoyer Shalach Tafkuf Samachvav Amad Aleph. Over there he explains the Yardin differently. I saw this mimer years and years and years. I was intimidated by it. I always looked at it and I said, this is going to be so much Kabbalah, probably so hard to learn. And last week I started it and we came to a complete roadblock. We couldn't go through it. We just got stuck and... Baruch Hashem, this week we were able to go through it and learn it. And one of the mysteries of Lakuti Torah is now available for people to listen online. And Yafutsu Menesecha Chutza, from one end of the world to the other end of the world, people can listen to it. Isn't this amazing? Ufarat, Stachazak, Ubaruch. Thank you. Good. Thank you.